LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past four. Greetings, one and all. Welcome along to uh, Tuesday's edition of the programme. Very quiet outside this morning, very quiet outside. I thought it was going to be busier. In Leicester Square, the usual bunch of girls staggering back from uh, from a few nightclubs, uh, holding their shoes because they can't walk in them. Very funny. And the other funny story, front of the Daily Star, is uh, horrified celebrity Big Brother babe Courtney Stodden claimed to fame, got married at sixteen, overinflated, no talent, fake hair, fake boobs, and now proving that she's as thick as a brick. She thinks that people are ogling her through the two-way mirrors in the Big Brother house. I've got news for you, Sweet Pea. They're filming you as well. OK? Perhaps she's so dumb she hasn't quite realised what it is. There are people looking at me through the two-way mirrors. This uh, this failed porno star, judging by some of her pathetic moves on the programme, it was just almost an embarrassment to watch her on there, is now even dumber than I thought. Anyway, that's always good news. I like the idea of starting off the programme with sort of a downer. The other downer being... That we lost David Jacobs, which was such a shame. 87. He only stopped work four weeks ago. He wasn't very well. Uh, he'd had a life filled with uh, some fantastic highs, some real fantastic highs, and some lows as well. You know, some of the uh, some of the uh, the lows. His only son Jeremy was killed in an accident in Israel at the age of 19. Two years later, his second wife, Caroline, was killed in a road accident in Spain, carrying their unborn child only weeks after their marriage. He was a very optimistic man. He was a broadcaster's broadcaster. I know people say that, and I know it's a dreadful cliche to sort of talk about him like that, but he really was. He had one of those great broadcasting voices. Is the, is the bag still in? Yes. Haven't squeezed it? No. Of course you have squeezed it. Of course you haven't. You haven't. Oh, you have! I don't know, is he allowed to squeeze the bag? Is he qualified for that? Oh, dear. He's done. Wait a minute. Where is the bag? Oh, there it is. The cup's so big, you can lose the bag. <laughs> it's an enormous... It is an enormous cup of tea this morning. But at least we're getting to the colour right. The colour's getting there slowly. But I didn't think he was qualified. Don't even know a short while. I wasn't sure he was actually qualified to actually remove the bag or to squeeze it in any way, shape or form. But uh, he's managed to do that bowl by himself this morning. So there's something else we can add to his uh, little bow, his little stringed bow. Anyway, so just going back to uh, to David Jacobs. I know it's it's a cliche to say broadcaster's broadcaster. But if you listen to David, I mean, he had such a lovely voice. He got fired from from one of his radio jobs back in the 40s because he, he giggled at a news item. God, if, I, if I'd been taken to task for giggling at a news item, I'd have been got rid of years ago. I mean, I constantly giggled at news items, trying not to. We have had a few over the years. Um, and uh, so that was very sad. But he was 87. That's what I call a blooming good innings. That's what I call a good innings in broadcasting terms. He'd had so many programmes, got so many awards. Family should be immensely proud of him. For people to make a, a living in this business uh, in itself is a bit of an achievement. But once you're in it, that's what you do. That's what you do for a living. It's like some people go into retail and some people sit in radio studios at five minutes past four in the morning. Some people do recorded programmes. Some people are better at interviews. So David Frost and David Jacobs, two Davids. Thank God my name's Steve. Otherwise it was looking a little bit... Have we got anybody called David? Oh, oh, Mella. Mella, we got Mella. He looked all right, didn't he, last time I saw him? He was OK. Uh, anyway, other stories in the uh, the papers today... Uh, they've got the lineup for, for Strictly. They've got some great television 
critiques of some of the programmes which are coming up and great, great lies and and delusional people on the television. But I have got, I've got a story about David Frost, actually, and I forgot to do it on yesterday's programme because it's from, uh, from uh, Bryn and Annie over there in France. And uh, he said, very sad about, you know, David Frost, brilliant broadcaster, warm and charming man. Uh, I worked with him a few times, because you would imagine that Bryn would, being a Toastmaster. He was modest and totally generous uh, in his attitude with people he worked with. He was just a nice bloke. Just a nice bloke. He said, anyway, we've got a, sh- we've got a short story. And uh, Annie and I were staying at our home in Florida when my mother, who looked after all my business, especially when I was away telephoning, in her vague way, she said, there's a bloke called David something or other who wants to talk to you about keys and keyholes or whatever. And I haven't got the faintest idea who he is and what the blazes he wants, but he wants you to call him. So I knew instinctively, says Bryn, who it was, and explained to mum and dutifully rang him. It was David Frost, who wanted to know if I'd be one of his guests on Through the Keyhole. Wow, I thought, would I? Not half. I called him and agreed. He really was very kind and generous and seemed pleased to have me on the show. Eventually, Lloyd Grossman and the whole crew turned up at our house, filmed it (laughs) after three hours left with it in the can. One interesting point, Annie and I prepared drinks and sandwiches and all kind of delicacies and they didn't touch a thing. Their floor manager had brought it all with her and didn't disturb us at all, except a couple who loved our smoked salmon sandwiches. On the day, in the green room... We met loads of people but had no idea who was on the panel to guess the names. It turned out to be two well-known lady journalists of totally different subjects who hadn't got a single clue about me or Toastmastering or anything, just zero zonk. The man on the show was the wonderful Tom O'Connor, who, when he saw the TV clip, said, Hang on, didn't I notice a red coat hanging up? Yes, says David Frost. Could it be a Toastmaster? Yes, says David Frost. And if you give me his name, I'll give you another two points joke as he didn't use points and tom said i'm going to upset all the other toastmasters but he's the best of them all so i'll risk it is it bryn williams it was it is and i have the beautiful bronze key in the lovely box to prove it and i walked out of the studio on a high one of my proudest moments and i thank uh, sir david frost most sincerely highly respected certainly uh, much miss okay okay he said so i know it was bottom of the barrel scraping to get an unknown like me but I didn't care it was great published and I loved every minute of it so there you go Annie joins me in sending all her love and we shall certainly keep listening in the 100 degrees highly oppressive heat that we are now suffering yeah we have it over here too unfortunately and of course I bumped into a few people as I was meandering through Twickenham yesterday and they say oh isn't it great the weather's bad I went I hate it I can't get excited over bad weather sorry well I call it bad weather anything that involves heat just absolutely, just does me in completely. I just, I become a wreck, I'm afraid. So today, because I'm interviewing Antonio Banderas on Friday, we've got to go and see the film. And so a little, little lot of us will troop up to the preview cinema later on this morning, about 10 o'clock, I think. And, uh, and we shall, we shall go and do it. Had to clear out the fridge yesterday. Had to clear out the fridge. And, um... I was amazed at how empty it looked by the time I'd thrown all the stuff out that was past its sell-by. It doesn't last but five minutes now. I bought some Parma ham the other day, and I've got to eat it either today or tomorrow. And then I was, I was sort of getting ready, and I thought, I'll, I'll water the hanging baskets, because I know it's going to be hot, and I'm not going to get back till about one o'clock. And all I could hear was this noise. I thought, what the dickens is that? Have you ever heard such a noise? It's a fox. That's the noises that foxes make. Now, whether or not it's a warning sound, I've got no idea, but... Perhaps it had laryngitis. Uh, uh. And so I went down with sort of with much trepidation because I'm always terrified about foxes. You never know whether they're going to have mange and attack you. 
and uh, threw it through the rubbish way, came into London, very quiet, as I say, and then in to, to get out David Jacobs's uh, biography. He, he crammed tons in. He really did, out of all the people in broadcasting. You know, a little bit like, you know, Pete Murray. You know, Pete Murray, another one of those people who, you know, absolutely, when you think at one time, there was no competition for commercial radio. There was nothing at all. There was only the BBC, and it wasn't until LBC came along in 70, what was it, 74, 73, 74, that it was the first commercial radio station <laughs> launched with much trepidation, I have to be uh, honest with you, because nobody knew what the hell they were doing. They didn't know what sort of people to get to put on the radio. Nobody had any experience of doing that kind of thing, and that's why, after LBC took off, uh, a lot of the people went on to uh, to work on television, which was in its uh, early stages. But I must, just going back to the fridge briefly... As I bent down, because I, I don't have a, a tall freezer, I've got a, a fridge, you know, normally it's under a work surface, and I bent down and my toe scraped on the floor and pulled the nail back. I <laughs> freaked. And, I thought, oh, you know, as you do, oh, I was like that. Oh. And the nail has moved a little bit. It's my big, big toenail. And I was quite pleased with it, actually, because it was looking particularly gorgeous. And, and it's that, so anyway, and, and then it started bleeding because I'd obviously scraped it back so much. And so I sort of looked at it thought, oh, yeah. and I thought, I hope it's not to God, it's not going to fall off. I hope the whole, whole, whole nail's not going to fall off. I'll have to get some super glue. Uh, but anyway, what I've done is I put a plaster around it this morning and I'm frightened to take the plaster off in case the whole nail comes with it. Cause I've got this horrible feeling that that's what might happen. So not, a, not a happy person, I'm afraid. Not a happy person. But anyway, what the heck? What the heck? You come in and you pick up the papers and you try and find some interesting stories and you try and find, you know, the people who are appearing on television somewhat fraudulently. And we found one. Sam Bailey. This was the one who turned up. You remember seeing her on the X Factor on Saturday. She's the, the shy one. I think she was the prison officer. I think she's a prison officer or something like that. She's been dubbed Screwbo. She's got a lovely voice, but she works in prison. Anyway, it turns out she's been singing professionally for years. When, when they, they said to her, you know, um, have, have you ever auditioned before? No, I've never auditioned before. She's sung with Lulu, Beverly Knight. She's sung with loads of people. And in fact, she's been on cruise ships. She's been on music festivals. Plus, she's been on an X Factor tryout. She's a liar. And they must have known this. They know who everybody is on the X Factor. You can't go there and, and just, you know, try and hoodwink people. But uh, she whispered no when Dermot O'Dreary said, have you auditioned for anything before? Have you done much stuff? No. You've done loads. Another liar. Another liar. You know, and that's what they do. And in fact, if you look at her publicity shots, by the time you see her with makeup on and all done up, it's a completely different person. Completely different. She's worked with uh, Jane MacDonald and ex-colleagues. I mean, she's singing, I think, on YouTube. In a bar. You can... <laughs> Why do these people tell lies? I mean, surely they must realise, mustn't they, that when... When the newspapers get hold of them, they say, have you ever done this? And they go, no. And immediately somebody will write into the papers and go, she's been working professionally for years or doing whatever, whatever it happens to be. And so we're, we're happy this morning to, uh, to expose Shy Scrubo as a professional singer who sung with the stars. Well, I say sung with the stars. It's Jane Jay MacDonald, Lulu and Beverly Knight. Morning. <laughs> 16 minutes past four. Tuesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Let's, uh, let's trawl through, as they say. Trawl through everything. Uh, fantastic story, says Neil from Bryn and Annie. I love it. I know it's a good story. In those days, they, they would put people on there. But in his field, as I say, you know, in, in Bryn Williams' field, he's well known. 
That's Toastmasters. There's not exactly hundreds and hundreds of them. But you're quite right, Neil. Uh, great voice David Jacobs had, really. I used to... I grew up listening to radio without ever realising I'd be working in the blooming thing. I don't think I knew what I was going to do for a living. I still haven't quite decided at the moment. It's one of those things where you go through your life and you think, what should I do for a living? And I ask people, I'm always asking, like my, my godson, Nathan, who's 15, he wants to be a stockbroker. And the reason he wants to be a stockbroker, and he's already worked in the city, he's had work experience in the city, he loved it, because it's money. And he loves money. And he knows that if you earn good money, then you get a nice car. And if you get a nice car, you pull lots of women. And so I think that's what he's, he's, he's looking to the future. So he's decided that's, his, uh, that's his, his forte. But you ask other people, you say, what would you like to do for a living? They say, I don't know. And I kind of fell into this. I didn't, uh, I didn't think, oh, I think I'd be a broadcaster. I only did it because I bumped into Dale and he said, oh, come up, I'm working for this radio station. And, uh, and I went up there and I got a job quite quickly, which surprised me. And then when that, that finished, I came straight to LBC. Came to LBC, I sent in a tape. A tape? God, I don't think people send tapes anymore, do they? And all I'd done was, and it's a, it's a very simple trick, and it, it worked in those days, whether it worked now, I don't know. We, we lifted an LBC news bulletin. We actually downloaded it. We listened to it on the radio and recorded it at the same time. And uh, then we took out the newsreader's voice and put my voice in there. So we, we just copied out the script. And so it sounded like I was reading the LBC bulletin, which, of course, gave them a much better indication of what somebody sounds like. So they could hear what I sounded like reading their bulletin. And luckily, I'm a brilliant sight reader. I'm absolutely... You won't, you won't find me tripping over a script. I can do things in, in one... T- Some people go, to James... James... You know, and it does. But me, I just I walk straight through it because I'm a very, very good sight reader, and it works straight away. I came in for a, for an interview, and I got the job. I was working within within three days. It was it was that fast. I was very excited. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk, and um, it's so funny because we were talking about this the other day. I was talking about this this to Duncan. And talk about it to all the other guys who work in this this building overnight. And it's the biggest audience overnight in London on LBC. There's more people listening to this now than to any other programme in London. You, it's, it's miles away from miles away from anybody else, which we love. We like things like that. Uh, Noreen, good morning. She says, now David Jacobs has died. So sad. Like David Froster was part of my life and everyone our age and Alan Wicker. She says... Have you seen the Strictly Come Dancing lineup? Have you heard of half of them? No, me neither. Casualty, Corrie, Waterloo Road, Dragon's Den. Not a clue some of them are. A lot of people have written to me this week about the about the lineup, which is uh, it's it's amazing. Patsy says I've just seen the full lineup. Haven't heard of half of them. Well, you wouldn't have done. I hadn't heard of half of them either. You've only got to take somebody from Waterloo Road, and nobody's got the faintest idea. Should be a laugh though, even though I don't like her, Vanessa. Yes, I mean, she's, uh, she's very irritating, isn't she? She is. I mean, in, in, in terms of irritant, she'd be kind of up there with the Eamon Holmeses of this world, people like that, who, who, are just, who are just irritating. You don't know why they're irritating. It's because they're kind of, kind of on the periphery of show business, but we walk over her audience quite nicely, thank you very much indeed. Um, Michael Den... Oh, Pat also said, uh, I don't know why they paid such a fee to get Sharon Osbourne. Far too full of herself for me. And if I hear another drippy teenager saying, my dad, my nan's my inspiration, I shall throw up. Time it was put out to grass. Well, that's what they do, isn't it, now? The whole idea, that's why. That, that really good thing. Was it Peter, Peter Kay made that spoof on the X Factor? It was so brilliant. It was so perfect that apparently Simon Cowell got quite rattled 
quite rattled because it was a case of, uh, you know, and who are you here singing for? Minan. Oh, oh, right. Is she all right? Yeah, she's fine. And then she dies. They go, yeah, you're back on the show. Quick, your nan's died. Let's milk it. Here's a picture and sing to your nan. It was the best spoof I'd ever seen, even down to the judges and a disabled contestant. It took the mickey out of all of it and it worked brilliantly. But Sharon Osbourne, unrecognisable, poor soul. But she's got spock ears. Have you noticed? She shouldn't have a haircut short. She's got funny ears. I mean, I work with people who've got, well, let's just call them embarrassing things going on. But, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sort of go into it, you know, because not everybody's perfect like me. I know that they look up to me as a, as a role model for younger people. You know, people go, I wish I looked more like Steve Allen. You know, Steve Allen thinks he looks more like... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you see pictures of me with hair, I was actually quite attractive in my day. Unfortunately, you know... <laughs> kind of petered out a little bit. But it doesn't matter, because I'm quite happy. The one thing you have to do in this business is love yourself. And you won't find anybody who loves themselves more than me. I'm that kind of person. If I was a chocolate bar, I'd be eating myself every day. I'm that happy with it. But uh, I'd, I'd, I'd have to disagree with you on Sharon Osbourne coming back, because she put 700,000 on the figures. And for anybody to put 700,000 on the figures of The X Factor has got to be good news. Talisa took it down... Sharon's whizzed it back up again. Whether it lasts, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, and then Ali Ross talks about, right then, he says, attention-craving gymnast. Is it Lewis Smith or Louis Smith? Louis Smith, OK. Obviously lives in Peterborough's nuclear bunker. A couple of boy band twonks like Duncan James and one of the other blue morons, probably scratch a living from that London flat, and the gothic pile of self-loathing definitely belongs to John Prescott because I've already seen the great oaf in residence on Piers Morgan's sob stories and half a dozen other shows. So we can get over this piece of garbage in the next 30 seconds. We can't, apparently. ITV's latest and arguably most desperate attempt to give Keith Lemon a Saturday night hit must be stretched out over a full 55 minutes. And unfortunately, time through the keyhole revamp, which might work if it was on another channel at a different time, of day, with another presenter, Harry Hill. Instead, ITV doggedly persists with Lemon. So it's a measure of the original format's brilliance that Keyhole still provides a few priceless moments. I particularly enjoyed discovering Duncan James and Lee Ryan have a copy of Greg's favourite puddings and that third-person speaking Prezza owns Simply Red's greatest hits on tape cassette. Highlight of the episode, however, was definitely Martine McCutcheon explaining that her movie career ended purely because the early mornings were killing me. Because that's the bugger of a milk round, isn't it, Martine, writes Ali Ross. You're just too damn exhausted for the Danon adverts. I love stuff like that. It's very funny. Uh, this morning's question of the week. Subject, keeping chickens. Eamon Holmes. Do you always need the cock present? I mean, that's, that's the best you're going to get with Eamon Holmes. Because he also comes up with great TV lies and delusions. Obviously, Ali Ross likes watching Eamon Holmes. Who, a man who also turned up on Through the Keyhole, I'm afraid. Perhaps hopefully for just one appearance. Eamon Holmes. The whole Ryland story amazes me. So many people love you. No, they don't. Celebrity Master Chef Janet Street Porter. I'm a big woman and I can look sexy if I want to. No, you can't. And Celebrity Big Brother Courtney Stodden. There's no way I'd forget you, Lauren. I'm going to give you my email address when I leave. Don't even think about it at all.co. Goodbye. <laughs> As if they're ever going to keep in contact. And here is that poor picture of this poor dog suffering in the name of art in page 17 today of uh, little Lucy Mecklenburg. That's all she does is cry. She's the biggest drip in the world. Unfortunately, she's a bit dim as well. So she is holding some poor dog. 
in front of her like it's some sort of trophy. As, as Duncan has pointed out to me, this dog is suffering for its art. It has no idea that some third-rate X-lister is uh, holding it in front of her. Never mind. Never mind, Lucy. One day you'll find somebody and one day you'll achieve something. However, I doubt it'll be in my lifetime. Um, uh, drugs curry we found in the paper today. Who else have we found in the paper today? God, it's actually a day where Cara Delevingne didn't feature. Thank God for that. The world's most boring person goes out. And of course, it's just cheap newspaper fodder, isn't it? They just they feed it out to the agencies and they, uh, they absolutely love it. Uh, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here. Uh, on Saturday, oh, that's, a lot of people have pointed out that Through the Keyhole is launched and David Frost dies. <laughs> you remember that one, don't you? And uh, talking of Dale, how is he? Says Bernie Cochran. I remember all you guys down the UBN, Roger, Tony, so many more. And uh, Bernie was head of promo then for major record labels, TV producer and other things subsequently since. Posh, isn't it? TV. I love it when people say TV producer. A friend of mine's really high up at ITV. Really high up. And um, I love it. Well, you know him. He's Jonathan Levi, because he used to feature on the programme. But I love it when people sort of sit down and we have uh, a little heart-to-heart. But in fact, the stories of, uh, oh, God, Tony Gillam, all the people who worked at UBN, Roger Scott, Nicky Horn, um... God, I mean, just, there were tons of people. So many people who went into, into broadcasting. So nice to have you, Bernie, this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Anna says, I met David Frost at the Media Society, in which he won an award. And Karen Horsham said, I broke my big toe in three places last week. Spending most of my time catching up on the podcast, which is good. Jay is a chauffeur and says, you brighten my day. Can you do the Fox one more time? No, sadly, only the ones. I didn't know what it was. I've never heard Fox either. I'm assuming it was calling to its young. Don't don't come in the car park. There's a fat bloke with rubbish, you know, or something. Oh, my stomach's going mad this morning, isn't it? Does that mean I'm hungry? I don't think so. I've had a peach this morning. I'm still trying to rescue the tea bag from the bottom of the cup, but it's a bit like an aquarium in Florida. It's gone to the bottom, never to be retrieved ever again. We've been to Florida. That's quite nice, isn't it? I wish you would go to Florida, producer. Perhaps we could save there and send you or something like that. Mm. You'd like it. You'd like it over there. You'd, you'd sort of fit in quite well. To the, uh, to the people who live in Florida. They're all mad as toothbrushes, of course. Everybody over there. Ooh, oh, I trod on my toe again. <sighs> <Ooh. laughs> I've taken my shoe off just to sort of ease the pain and the swelling. Nothing worse than swelling at this time of the morning. I'm not, I'm not used to it. I don't, I don't like it at all. Uh, uh, other stories here. It says, it'll be no problem if your toenail comes off, says D. I've got arthritis and my big toenails often fall off. Oh, dear Lord above, honestly. But it's, I was explaining it to a friend of mine. She's going, la, 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 don't talk to me about toenails falling off. I told you once when I, I was moving with some friends and I stupidly decided to do it on the cheap. I don't know why. Perhaps I was a bit tight or something. And I opened the door of this transit van and then I slammed the door. But unfortunately, I slammed it with my thumb in it. And it was one of those times where you couldn't just pull your thumb out. I had to open the door to take my thumb out again. And it started throbbing like one of those Tom and Jerry cartoons. Boom, and I could sit and think, and I'm, I was very brave. I, I didn't cry for about about three seconds. And I went, ow, it really hurts. Really hurts. And then, in the course of the day, as the blood underneath dried, the nail turned black. But I had to go to hospital before it did that. And the nurse said, oh, right, we'll actually drain that, the blood underneath. And how did she drain the blood? She gets a needle, she heats it over like a Bunsen burner, and she pushes the needle through the nail. I nearly went through the bloody roof. I've never had... And I, 
ow, because I was quite brave. I was quite brave. And, and then she pushed it and the blood came out the middle. Then the nail turned black and within about a week it fell off. And she said, don't worry, she said, because it'll grow another nail underneath. Well, I haven't looked at my toenail since I did it because I've put a plaster around it. Because I'm frightened if I take the plaster off, the nail's going to come with it and I'm, I might sob. And I don't really have enough time to sob on the programme this morning because there's far too many far too many stories in the papers to bring them to you, including Vinnie Jones, who says that Britain's passed it. Well, you know, he's currently doing some adverts, so he has to come here to make some money because I can't imagine Vinnie Jones being a talent in any particular department. He laughingly calls himself an actor. Well, we've seen him, haven't we? We know how pathetically useless he is. And he's slagging off Britain. He's now saying... The only thing he misses from Britain is crisps. It's funny, actually, Vinny, we don't miss you at all. In fact, I had no idea you were still alive. I assumed that you'd sort of toddled off this mortal coil to save us any more embarrassing moments on television. Nobody's interested in you. He's living in L.A., obviously eking out a small living. This was the man who they thought, he's really interesting, after he grabbed Gaza. Gaza then turned to drink, of course, and uh, the rest is history. And then Vinnie Jones uh, got a reality show. But it was so boring, it was cancelled. <laughs> Because, a bit like Peter Andre, he doesn't do anything. Vinnie Jones just sat there watching the television. Well, that's not a reality show. A rea- I mean, it, bad enough in poor Jordan's reality show, where all she did was go to a nail bar. That was the highlight of her day. A nail bar, and then read about herself online, and sort of tiddled about with some useless cross-dressing bloke that she married called Alex Reed. God knows where he went. And unfortunately, Vinnie Jones wasn't even that exciting. At one point, he said to the film crew, um, should, should I go shopping or something? Uh, well, what do you normally do? And of course, what he normally do did, what he normally do, was sit in front of the television. That was all he did. He's a couch potato. Because he doesn't really have a career. So he laughingly called himself an actor, hung around with Sylvester Stallone. All in his mind, of course. All delusional. All delusional. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, London's most listened to, and it's 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Tuesday morning in London town. It's nice to be company. Most of the stories on the front pages of the papers I can't repeat. They're in court. They're, uh, they're sort of trials. Oh, there's a, except the Express, who have managed to find a Diana story. It's amazing. Whoop up, big up the Express this morning. Big up the Express. We managed to get a Diana story. And uh, apparently Prince William honoured the memory of his mother by taking Kate and baby George to see Diana's family on the anniversary of her death. The Duke and Duchess spent the weekend with her eldest sister, Lady Sarah McCorkendale, and her family, sources said yesterday. And that's their, that's their story. That is their story today. On the front page, apart from Susanna Reid, feeling the stress in training, I think she's, uh, she's quite, uh, quite an egotist, is Susanna Reid. She's uh, one of the people who's appearing in the Strictly programme, together with Deborah Meaden. I suspect she can't dance for toffee. And uh, Vanessa Feltz. Just an incredibly fat show-off. Somebody called Mark Benton. We have no idea who Mark Benton is. Who is Mark Benton? Is he famous? He's an actor. From what? I've got a picture of him. It didn't help me. I'm looking at him now. I've I've got no idea. He's in what? Waterloo Road. What the hell's that? Has anybody ever seen Waterloo Road? Is that some dreary thing that Chelsea Heaton came from, or Chelsea, whatever her name was? Ben Cohen. Is he a rugby player? And now he's dancing. A bit gay, isn't it? Don't, aren't, aren't rugby players fairly butch? Aren't they supposed to be butch? Fiona Fullerton, still calling her a Bond girl. I mean, that was a long time ago. 
Dave Myers, that's that irritant who's one of the hairy bikers. What an irritant. Professional northerners, ladies and gentlemen. Ghastly. Ashley Taylor Dawson apparently is turning to Buddhism to get himself through it. I'm assuming it's the fee, Ashley. I'm only guessing there, mate. Susanna Reid, who's going to be a real irritant. Patrick Robinson, actor. I don't, I don't know. Natalie Gumedi, we now know, is the one from Coronation Street, who was the one... She was quite good, actually. I quite liked her in that, when poor old Tyrone was going through it. Julian MacDonald designs dresses, and Tony Jacklin is fairly ancient. Plus, Abby Clancy, about two foot tall, and uh, Rachel Riley, she does numbers on Countdown, and uh, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, they say, bringing glamour. Are these people really desperate for the money? Are they, I mean, is it that... Is, it, is Vanessa Feltz hard up? I suppose she must be, really, isn't it? I mean, it must take yards and yards of material to make her a small frock for the uh, for the summer. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, anyway, what else we got here? David Jacobs, Wills and Kate. Dementia traps sufferers at home like prisoners, which we uh, which we knew before. But I've, I've started... What have I started? Oh, that's right. I had to check the other day what tablets I was on, just to make sure uh, that I was, uh, I was OK. Right, here we go. This is Mark Benton. Most famous for his roles as Eddie in Early Doors, Howard in Northern Lights, and Martin Pond in Barbara. Barbara. Barbara rings a bell. Barbara rings a bell. He has a recurring role as Father McBride in the James Nesbitt series Murphy's Law. He starred with Vic and Bob in Randall and Hopkirk, Deceased. I never saw that, only like the original. And he appeared as an earthly representative of the devil in The Second Coming. Plane spotting. Uh, Oh... It's not really... You'd probably recognise him, but you don't know what you recognise him for. And uh, so that's why. But anyway, I don't know where they get these pictures. Their agents phone up and say, listen, I've got an actor, Mark Benton. And they go, OK, right. Um, and then they immediately go rushing to the computer to check on who he is, to find out whether or not he's suitable. And then they put people in there, because I'm assuming if you're not that well known, the money must go down accordingly. I don't know who would be getting the most... Oh, Gwen... I love Gwen Taylor. We interviewed Gwen Taylor for In Conversation. She was lovely, and I was watching her the other day on... Is it Dave that shows all these comedy repeats? And they had Duty Free with uh, with her and... I can't remember the name of the actor in it. But it was such a, good, such a good show. Such a good show. And she plays the, the poor put-upon wife. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Absolutely love... Gwen Taylor, and she was doing something, and I can't we went to a studio in Soho to interview her. In fact, exactly the same studio that we went to for, uh, for a few other people. In fact, we've been there about half a dozen times, because we love going to this, uh, this studio. Keith Barron is the bloke she played opposite in Duty Free. It was so good, worth getting the box set. Uh, today I bought three films. I was watching a film, if anybody can tell me what it was called. I started this morning, I was, I was sort of getting ready quickly, and there was a film on the television set in an old bathhouse with a swimming pool, but you could have baths there as well. And I'm assuming it was a 60s film, shown in the early last morning, and it had Diana Dawes in it, but I don't think she was one of the main characters. And there was a young actor in there who I recognised, but I think I recognised him probably 30 years on from that. I couldn't tell you who it, who it was. But set in a bathhouse, and I'm sure it was one of the bathhouses with the pool that they tried to save as one of these restoration programmes. So I'd, I'd love to find out. Love to find out what that film was called because I looked at it and I thought I think I better get this film because I like collecting old, old films. You know, films from the the sixties. But I bought uh, today. Oh, God. I wish they put wheels on some of these chairs. I've barely got the strength to move the blooming thing. And so I ordered three films. 
And the three films that I ordered for... You're going to laugh at you, but this is a typical Steve Allen collection going on to Amazon. One of them is the Roger Whittaker Live, which I talked about yesterday at the Tivoli Gardens, because I love the Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen. The other one is Tony Palmer's film about uh, the world of Michael Crawford. And if you look at Michael over the years... You know, from Some Mothers Do Have Them to Phantom of the Opera to him playing at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. He's got, uh, you know, he was with Barbara Streisand, of course. Uh, John Lennon. Uh, done loads of things. And the other thing I bought uh, was a film, One Mad Musical Day in London, with Joe Brown, Sid James, Eunice Stubbs, Dave Nelson. It's called Three Hats for Lisa. And I happened to see it and I thought, I think I'm going to buy that, actually. It's a screenplay by Leslie Brickus. And they say it's a who's who of British 60s talent. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that a little bit later on today. So I've, I've gone sort of film crackers. But if anybody remembers the name of that film with Dinah Dawes in, set in this swimming pool, uh, Dean says, I don't think it's Vanessa Feltz's dancing we should worry about. It's when she opens her mouth. Oh, keeping her quiet will be the problem, isn't it? Perhaps super glue might work. I don't know. Uh, Andy and Guildford said, you're very cruel about these stars. I know. But you have to be. Really, I'm cruel about everybody. I'm cruel, you know, even the people I work with, I'm cruel about. Because you've never worked with such a bunch of people. I mean, it, it, I promise you, it is like the leavers class at school. It's like the stupid yet savable. You know, we don't quite know what to do with them. And they sit there, and I mean, I don't know. You know, we got a very odd selection this morning. I mean, far be it from me to sort of say, I got the rough end of the pineapple. Because, I mean, you know, because sometimes, you know, you come in and they show you a catalogue of people you can work with. And so I pick out the best looking ones. I don't care if they can't do the job. It's, it's something to look at. And unfortunately, they've obviously decided I'm not having those people. You know, so over the years, they've said, no, you're not having the attractive ones. So I've ended up with the, with the ones who aren't very attractive, but at least, they're, at least they're keen. And I think that goes a long way, doesn't it? I think if, if you're keen and yet not attractive, you have to try harder. You know? And I think that's quite a good idea. They're now all worrying, looking in mirrors, you know, touching up their eyebrows and everything else, make themselves look more attractive. It's not going to happen. No, you just need a haircut, Sam. Just just get the haircut first. And I'll be a lot happier, you know. I mean, do you think maybe for Christmas you could have a haircut? No? No? Perhaps Hope could wear contact lenses or something, you know. There is Hope there. It's his middle name, incidentally. I've never heard of that. But have you ever heard of that before? It sounds like the mother went, oh, there is Hope. Oh, look, here he is. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's just such a funny sort of middle name. Although, what was it? Was it David Frost's Paradigm? Again, where do they get these, like, Periwinkle, isn't it? Where do they get these names from? Hope. Stephen Hope Allen. Because when I said it the other day, I wound him up a little bit. It's quite easy to wind up. His, his clockwork has got a big key on the side. And um, and I said, because my middle name's Hope. And he went, is it? I thought, God, some people are so easy. It doesn't get easier than that, does it, really? <laughs> if you can manage to watch. What is the chance of two people on a programme with only three people on it, and two of them have got the same middle name? And he fell for it. I should have kept it going. I should have kept it. I could have brought in a fake birth certificate with Stephen Hope Allen on it. Just And he'd go, that is unbelievable. Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, the film was called The Deep End, says Ian and Croydon. How do people know these things? Just on that bare description. Thank you very much. And somebody else. The film was called The Deep End. Thank you very much indeed. Wonderful. Uh, they get 25,000 for Strictly. It goes up the longer you stay in. The film is Deep End, filmed in Cathalbards in Leytonstone. You are absolutely brilliant. I mean, this is, up, is, it, is it commercially available? You'll be telling me now it's commercially available. I do hope so. Because I've got to get it because I loved Diana Dawes. Because my only Diana Dawes story is that when Diana was dying, she was in the Charing Cross Hospital, which is not in Charing Cross. It's in Hammersmith. And a friend of mine... Uh, was 
in the private wing, which is up the top. And um, we were able to walk round the uh, the terrace that runs at the top. So you walk past people's bedrooms. And as I walked past, because this friend of mine, she was with Booper, so she got the best medical attention. And so I walked round, and Diana Dawes was in bed asleep. And if I thought about it, I probably could have taken a picture, but it would have been a gross invasion of privacy. But I remember thinking, that's the only thing I ever knew about Diana Dawes, is that um, she was glamorous British actress, buxom, and after her career went pear-shaped, a uh, bit, bit more like her body, I suspect, she turned up on TVAM as the agony aunt. And uh, she made some... She, of course, made the amazing Mr Blunden, but she'd been a, a big sex symbol. Their house, they used to have lots of sex parties and things like that. <laughs> Hope looked up then in some eager anticipation. Sex party, where's that? This time of the morning, can't believe it. Oh, that's grinder for you. It's uh, 17 minutes to, to five. And so the deep end, made in 1970... Made in 1970, with Jane Asher, John Mulder Brown, that's who it is, and Diana Dawes, set in London. And it focuses on the relationship between the two young co-workers at a suburban bathhouse and swimming pool. In fact, very similar to the bathhouse which they used in um, Quadrophenia, where Phil Daniels went. And, um, and people used to go. There used to be one in Ealing, a very famous bathhouse. You'd go in there, and for a shilling or whatever it was, somebody would turn a big handle on the wall outside, and your bath would fill up with water... And then you had a, it was a public, because people didn't have, people didn't have bathrooms. And I was saying to my brother the other day, because there's two things I'm trying to do, and I don't know how to go about either of them. Well, actually, one of them I do, but the other one I don't. Uh, one, I'm trying to find out my father's military record, because that would help us trying to remember what he did. We know that he worked uh, for a missile tracking station in Yorkshire, but I don't know exactly what he did. So we're trying to find out where you get information on your father's record in the forces and what was the other thing we were trying to find out as well I can't remember what it was now what was i talking about the deep end down the doors I've completely forgotten now completely forgot see that's the onset of uh, rambling away with yourself so oh that's right and in yorkshire where we lived we had this house and as you know we had a secret tunnel under our stairs that went to the coast and i said if we went back up there i wonder if they've built on the field next to us and whether or not they've actually filled the tunnel in and he said perhaps we should go up there and have a look and I thought Do you know I should really but it's it's quite a few hours isn't it to actually get up there so deep end John Mulder Brown got to get is, is the film available it is available I've de- we we think it's available I've def- I'm definitely gonna buy it yes it is yes I can't believe it was only 19 uh, 1970 John Mulder Brown I don't know what he went on to do John Mulder Brown but it had Dinah Dawes taking her clothes off on screen. Oh, that's right, Diana Dawes and the house with the uh, with the two way mirrors and all sorts of things. It was very, very good. You can still buy. Oh, don't don't let hope hope see that bit for God's sake. I'll never get him out of the studio. Um, so just sort of take it off. Any sort of images of things like that. Not not so good. Um, funny age, you know. Uh, here we go. Um, this is show off Courtney Stodden. This is in the Daily Star. This is the paper that's employing her. Um, has thrown a fit claiming she's the victim of peeping Toms in the Big Brother house. That's what it is. Perhaps she doesn't know she's being filmed. I can only assume she might not know. And uh, Sophie Anderton has threatened to walk tomorrow night if viewers don't evict her. Uh, the model hates everybody on the show. It's funny that, actually, because everybody hates you as well. I've never met such a 
really foul-mouthed woman in my entire life. I didn't, I didn't actually realise it was possible for somebody. But then I suppose that, that's sort of drug abuse. Uh, Paul says, whatever happened to Joanna Van Geisingham from Duty Free? She was gorgeous. Yes, that was Jane. Was that Jane Asher in that film, The Deep End? God, she was gorgeous. Absolutely. I thought she looked familiar. I couldn't work out who it is. Um... Uh, so Jane Asher had the main part. And Joanna von Geisingham, I don't know what happened to her. No doubt somebody will let us know. Thank you very much indeed. Dean in Lancashire knows. And uh, everybody else seems to know, apart from me, what the film was called. But the one thing I can tell you before anybody else, quarter to five. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 12 minutes to... Five, and it said six then. I was just checking out John Mulder Brown because John Mulder Brown had those looks. He was a, a typical preppy school dancer, singer, everything. He started his career as a child, best remembered, they say, for his role in Deep End, uh, which was the film which was on this morning. Must have been better known for other things because he did everything, absolutely everything. He turned up in, in all sorts of things, including, I think in one of them, Half a Sixpence, uh, he was in that one, but he was in Deep End. He's done loads of things. The, he was His name just... He's been in Casualty as well. Howard's Way, uh, Family Ties, Vacation, Jenny's War, Alexander the Great from Macedonia in 2006. But he, he's got um, um, a creative drama school in Brighton, in Sussex. But he was absolutely... It's funny because you remember a name, don't you? And then they go, oh, and he's best remember of this film, The Deep End. You think... But no, I remember seeing him on loads of things. I'm sure he did something like Tom Brown's School Days. That's the kind of thing he would have done, because he was he was just very, very good-looking. And yet, he did Mill on the Floss, I think. Ellis Island, Claudia, Confessions from the David Galaxy Affair. That rings a bell as well. But he, he appeared to do loads of things. Very, very good-looking boy. But he must be 60 now, born in 1953, so that would make him 60. So I'm delighted to say he's still with us. Probably funny he's listening to it. Somebody, because I've discovered actually on this program, you can't say anything without it getting back to somebody. So, like, yesterday I was saying, I think I'm going to this film today, and immediately Charlie Gurning will text in. So I go upstairs yesterday, after the end of the programme, as I am prone to doing, and um, Tom, Tom Swarbrick, who's the reporter with Nick Ferrari in the morning, uh, said to me, oh, he said, I was, um, I was face-booking, face-timing, my uh, brother-in-law, I think, who lives in Hong Kong, who listens to the programme every day. And uh, I saw lovely, thinking, where are we going with this conversation? And because uh, I was bored after about a minute, because uh, I've got very slow attention. And uh, I, can't, I was kind of wandering off anyway. And he said, yeah, he said, and he, he said that he'd heard you say that I couldn't dance. And I said, I did say that. I did say that, because you look at some people, you know, you look at some people and you go, you look as though you can't dance, you look as though you'd be two left legs, you'd be, you know, somebody from Norwich, you know, the, the embarrassing uncle kind of thing. And he said, I'll have you know, I'm a very good dancer, actually. Anyway, so this, this brother-in-law sneaked on me and told him and said, Steve Allen said this about you. So now he's considering legal action. <laughs> Bring it on, I said. Bring it on. I, ha- I have a fantastic lawyer, I said, and I'm pretty certain. He, he said, you wait till you see me at the Christmas party. Well, the only time we saw him at the Christmas party was last year with his shirt off, staggering around this building, going, oh, my head, my head. So I can't imagine he'd be actually any good at dancing either. So I'm willing to risk it. Martin Hemmel says, read the military records. There's a few sites online you can use to get more details. I use Ancestry.co.uk. You stand a better chance. 
£10 to uh, to sign up. We get so much more detail. John Mulder Brown says D was a child actor. Uh, maybe more 12, 13. I know he was working in the 60s. He was nearly famous. All the little girl actors had huge crushes on him, except me. The only crush I knew was an orange drink. Haven't seen his name for yonks, but that doesn't mean a lot nowadays when I worry about his soap and reality shows. Well, he's 60. He's 60, but he was really... I mean, I don't know what he looks like now. There's a picture of him with Jane Asher. And uh, so they must, he must have been a little bit, little bit older. He actually doesn't look... And he's still got his hair. It's just in a slightly different style. But isn't it funny? You know, somebody you've heard of... For years. I was trying to find out what happened to a guy. Now, again, you're going to have to help me out on this one because I can't find anything out about this guy. His name, I think, was Simon Turner. And he had a record out called The Prettiest Star, which was a David Bowie song. I think it was Simon. I'm pretty certain it was Simon Turner. Pretty certain. And the song was The Prettiest Star. And I'm now trying to find out where he's gone to, because it was he was around, uh, they are, Simon Turner recorded it for, uh, released in, oh, when was it released? I think 1992, they've said. And so Simon Turner, where he went to, I've got no idea. He just disappeared. I think he'd done a bit of uh, acting. Born 54. Oh, so right. So he's an... Have we got any pictures of him? Got any pictures of Simon Turner? Find me some images. But he was, he was born 54, so he'll, he'll be coming up 60 now. And uh, he was there in my... When I was working before in music radio, and he was sort of around at the same time. I didn't know he had a, a main... Oh, right. That's it. That's that picture there. Now, I'll tell you what record label that was on. That was on UK Records. And who was UK Records? Jonathan King was UK Records. And Simon Turner, so he's got a middle name now, as he, as well? Again, he, he obviously was, a, was an actor and went on to do uh, different things. Is he still around, then? I suppose he must still be around. We're looking at a picture. Oh, crikey. Is it funny? That's the first time I've managed to find that. Only because he's got a blooming middle name, which I wasn't prepared for. A bit like Hope. A bit like Hope. But again, another very, very good-looking person who seemed to fit into those roles where they were looking for sort of... We were going through another country, another sort of preppy school kind of stuff. Oh, interesting. Thank you for that. So he's, he's been around. He was a member of the Portsmouth Sinfonia and plays clarinet. Good Lord. Well, there you go. Uh, in 1990, he had a solo album out. He's got a... Good Lord. He's, he's obviously done quite a lot, hasn't he? Visiting professor at a, a school in Germany. Blimey. Well, there you go. And uh, 2012, Simon is working with dumb typing Kyoto, preparing new sounds constantly. Oh, right. It's all gone a bit peculiar now, hasn't it? Uh, he lives with his wife and two children in London. So there you go. The things you remember. So I sometimes think it's, it's quite nice for these people to be remembered because they were huge in their day. And then people say, oh, what do they do now? And you go, well, they've just been mentioned on the radio. I, I'll, I would generally get that. So Simon Fisher, there you go, somebody's just Simon Fisher-Turner. Thank you. And uh, Kevin says the Cathal Baths have long since gone. There's a bog-standard swimming pool there now. I lived on the Cathal Road estate for a couple of years in the early 1980s. I loved the episode of the Sweeney with Diana Dawes in it. Brilliant bit of comedic acting by everybody. And Maria says, this is uncanny. Listening to you talking about the film The Deep End, and I've just watched it on film four. I know, unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. You see? Uh, and then film says, what a coincidence. The film The Deep End has just ended on film four. Thank you. And Jim says, it was on just a couple of hours ago. 
It's amazing. You see, Psychic Steve wins again. Five to five. The um, on-running story of Michael Jackson. And now it turns out uh, his mum, Catherine, has revealed that the children visited Michael Jackson in the mortuary ten times to hug him and to kiss him and everything else. They kept going back there. She didn't go. Uh, Paris was so traumatised at seeing his body, she screamed, I want to go with you, Daddy. I don't want to live without you. And these heart-rending details were revealed by Catherine on Australian television. She said her daughter, Latoya, mad as a fruitcake, had to fill her in on what the kids were doing because she couldn't bear to see her son's body. Catherine said the children were all kissing and hugging Michael, even though he was dead. Well, some people are obviously very good at that. Some people are obviously very good at that. Some people might be absolutely horrified. Absolutely horrified that people could ever do that. But as I say, they can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. They're there, and uh, that's obviously what they want to do. It must be. Must, it certainly must have been uh, much braver than we thought. Much, much braver. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Dean is just off in Cyprus for a six-kilometre walk along the Med, listening to the best show in Europe. Oh, what are you listening to? It'll be this one. He says people look at me when I'm laughing out loud, listening to bash the celebs. Thank you, Dino, in Cyprus. Actually, some friends of mine are going on. They've just booked a holiday in Cyprus. They've booked a villa, which apparently looks very, very posh, very, very nice. And uh, there's 12 of them going. But they're apparently quite close to uh, to one of the resorts, which is fantastic. Um, Robin says, Keith Lemon funny, when? Um, well, the ITV think that he's a force to be reckoned with. Unfortunately, the rest of the country think differently and can't stand him. Because he's, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, the through the keyhole to drag it out for 55 minutes was sheer purgatory. I didn't realise that anybody could actually drag any programme out for that length of time and make it, you know, still very, very uninteresting. There's also the father in the paper today. This is uh, Melissa Reed's dad, who wants the UK police to investigate their cases of the drug mules. I don't know what can be investigated. They were there standing, caught on CCTV, standing there while they opened the cases and find cocaine. I don't really know where... I'm quite sure, you know, fathers are very sort of innocent in this kind of thing. But um, he's, he said, you know, he wants the police to... Well, I don't really want the police to investigate. They've got police over there. That's what they do. They're investigated. They've got the police in Spain. They've got the police in Peru. And they've got all the CCTV images. Why, why would the British police need to investigate? I don't think they need to. I think it's an open-shut case. We'll wait and see if it comes to court in the fullness of time. But frankly, they... they Turn him up on the television yesterday on Daybreak. I don't know why. I don't know why. Let's wait and see what happens. The trouble is that they, they never get proper interviews on those programmes. It's just there as a some sort of, you know, publicity thing, as far as I can see. Uh, 84850, uk. Matt has said, I've just watched The Deep End on Film 4. Great to see Diana, but the film was dross. I think it was of its time. They always say that of a film. If it's an arty-type film, it's of its time. And that's why, I, that's why I like them so much. Uh, Angela and Bob in Pratt's Bottom, they've now become addicted again to the programme, having sort of struggled before to get up at the four bit. Now we're sort of doing quite well. It says, you're brilliant when you're reminiscing. Do you know, it's funny. You do that more and more, don't you? And you've, I've started to say, people always say to me, whenever somebody dies, they will say, did you interview them? <laughs> did you interview them? First thing they say, 
Did you interview them? We get phone calls. Did you interview so-and-so, so-and-so? No. I never interviewed David Frost, but I did eat some of his grapes and cheese when he did the uh, the overnight programme. I think he'd had a few, a few sherbets on it. <coughs> I think he liked his drink. Although Duncan was talking about addicted to, uh, to alcohol and stuff like that, and people who, you know, are alcoholics. And I think it's actually possible to be addicted to drink without being an alcoholic. Same as you can be addicted to chocolate or addicted to cheese and biscuits or anything like that. Laying here under the duvet, nodding like the Churchill dog in agreement. We're going to rearrange the pillows and have a cup of tea. What a lovely start to the day. What a lovely start to the day. I still remember that picture that you sent in of their garden covered in snow, which must have been a couple of years ago now. It was lovely. No snow this morning. Weather forecast coming after the news at five. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Lulu getting very excited there. And Rod Stewart coming in. Brilliant! <laughs> it, well, actually, the fun thing was, because I went... Oh, you remember I told you yesterday, on Sunday, we went down Carnaby Street. We were watching Elton John's set being moved in to the back of the Palladium. We were having a cup of coffee there. And uh, we were trying to work out if they were taking out Chorus Line's set or bringing in. And I'd seen round the neck of one of the guys on the lorries, Elton John, Brit Icon... And then we went round the front of Palladium, and there was the big sign, Elton John. So I didn't, I didn't know it was for Monday night. I didn't know it was for last night. I thought it was for maybe Sunday. And they were bringing in the set. There was about 20 people and three huge lorries. You know, these huge long trailers, like Edwin Shirley trucking kind of thing, like the Eddie Stobart lorries. Absolutely. And, of course, the one traffic warden, you can't park here. You go, they're unloading for the Palladium. Go away, it's Sunday. Don't be so stupid. They're such jobs worth, aren't they? They really are, some of these people. Ones round our way, of course, are gorgeous and wonderful, and I love every every one of them. Uh, so that's what they were doing. Elton John was moving in there, getting all very excited. Uh, meanwhile, the boyfriend was off in the south of France with some some male friends, and they were off on boats and everything else. So presumably, David Furnish doesn't bother going to Elton's gigs anymore. Although Rod Stewart did. That's quite a nice thing to do, isn't it? Quite nice. Uh, the new stars have strictly come dancing up in arms because it turns out that one of them, Natalie Gamedi. This is the girl from Coronation Street who was Tyrone's stalker, the policewoman, all the rest of it. She's a professional dancer. Apparently on her CV, it says that she's uh, highly skilled in cabaret, contralto, jazz dancing, Latin American and tap. And in a biography for the film Side by Side, in which she starred, it says Natalie's been training as a dancer since she was three. Well, she's got an unfair... I thought the whole idea was that they learn it. She's quite clearly very, very fit... Whereas uh, Susanna Reid, who's going to be just dreary, I'm afraid, um, is saying she's aching in places she's never ached before. Well, of course you are, darling. You're not trained as a dancer. You're an auto-cutie. You sit there and you read big words up on a screen and everybody goes, oh, it's very clever, isn't it? Reading big words. We did that when I was five. So uh, some of these people can dance. Some will be very silly. Actually, the more I look at Mark Benton, now I know who he is. He's got glasses on. He's, he's, he's got one of those familiar faces. Although I've never seen Waterloo Road, which, uh, which is probably to my advantage. Ashley Taylor Dawson is 31. I didn't think he was that old. Uh, Diana Dawes, says Paul in Manchester, but actually made two films about bathhouses. One was the already mentioned Deep End. The other, and incidentally the last film she made, called Steaming. And it was a story of three women fighting the closure of the steam room, where they all meet up regularly. It stars Vanessa Redgrave and Sarah Miles. I interviewed Sarah Miles once. That was a very strange interview. Uh, along with Brendan, Brenda Bruce. If memory serves, she'd actually toured in the show. Yes, Steaming uh, was a show that toured probably in um, late 70s. Could have been 80s, actually. I can't remember, actually, now. But uh, I do remember Steaming. It was Nell somebody, wasn't it? Nell somebody. Uh, it might be worth... 
says uh, Shirley, Tease, trying the National Records Office at Kew, not a million miles from Twickenham. They have all sorts of records there going back hundreds of years. Went there a few times before Who Do You Think You Are started. And it was quite easy to get around and find people to help you. But I think since that started, more people now visit. People working there, very helpful. I managed to find my grandparents' house in the last national census that had been released at that time. So much information to find out. If you happen to know which regiment he was in, you could try Googling that. Yes. I, I do want to see it. I want to see his, his, his record, like most people do. And uh, Joanna von Geisingham, according to IMDb, last TV she did was a drama documentary series about the Queen. Only cast member listed is Stephen McIntosh. Prior to that, she was in EastEnders in 2009. Maybe that, like a lot of older actresses, the work seems to dry up with the exception of Judy Dench, Eileen Atkins and a few others. Yes, it's, it doesn't get easier, does it, if you're, a, if you're an older actress. Um, David Jacobs gets uh, nice tributes in the papers because he's died at the age of 87 from Housewives' Choice, Jukebox Jury, one of the first Top of the Pops presenters, uh, also did Any Questions for 17 years, always immaculate, always, and I met him. And I can't remember where I met it. Might have, was it a water rat do? Certainly must have been some sort of charitable event. And uh, he was there. He uh, stepped down from his final programme, the David Jacobs Collection, last month due to ill health. But uh, 87, just charming. Just a charming man. And so uh, RIP David Jacobs. Another, another, great, another great voice has gone to that big cloud in the sky. There's going to be so many of us up there shortly. We're all going to be having loads and loads of chats, I should imagine. Uh, for a copy of your father's REF record, uh, you can write to the address before. They'll send you a form to complete, and for a fee, which I think is about 30 quid, they'll send you a copy of his complete service record. You probably then need to research the individual REF unit shown at the public record office to find out information about each of the postings. Oh, right. Lovely. Thank you, Philip. I shall send that to my... Wait a minute. I shall forward it on to myself. I can send it on to my brother. Wait a minute. Uh, I have to remember what my email address is half the time. Uh, where's the at? Is that at? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, stupid. I can't even find the at now on this blooming thing. It all disappears. Wait a minute. Oh, oh wait a minute. I've, I can't move. Oh, that's it. Thank you. Uh, um, uh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, oh, I've done the wrong thing now. <laughs> it's you, you put in the at, and it confused me. At, wait a minute. Can I get, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Thank you. There you go. That should, that should work, otherwise I've sent it to somebody completely unusual. Uh, to me, brain drain, private neurosurgery contract given to Tony, to Tory, donor healthcare firm. Top NHS centres told to send all patients to the Underfire Company. It's a, a mirror investigation for today. And uh, Ian Highland is talking about uh, the television programmes that you love to hate. And um, the most positive thing he said I can say about ITV's new Saturday night dance show, Stepping Out, is that it probably encourages viewers to try stepping out themselves in front of a bus. It's that, it's that bad. He said, I'm sorry, but it really is that dreadful. And I still don't know what bothers me most about it. That ITV has made a cynical, half-arsed attempt to disguise the fact that it's just a lazy, strictly rip-off. Or that there is a moronically evil undercurrent to the whole enterprise that appears to be wishing marital discord on the celeb couples taking part. Um, let's hope the stress of learning this dance doesn't stop them reaching two years, quipped Davina McCall, as she revealed some poor bloke from JLS had been with his girlfriend for only a year. It's hardly worth it. Well, my John, Mr and Mrs, half of them weren't even married. Shacked up together, I think. But, uh, 
It's uh, shame on you, Davina, says Ian Highland. May not be better than this, but after your fine work on long-lost families, I thought you were. And uh, this year's Strictly Come Dancing lineup looks pretty strong, although we won't know who the celebrities have been partnered with until Saturday's launch show. Well, apart from Vanessa, obviously. How is the back Anton? Yes, he always picks up the old women, doesn't he, in that, and presumably she's the oldest one there, poor soul. So that's what uh, she'll get. James Corden is mentioned today. And he says, I'm still reeling from a magazine advert on the telly the other day that boasted, this week, Peter Andre talks about being a dad. Whoa, says Ian Highland. He's got kids? Why has nobody ever mentioned that before? It is true. Peter the Drip Andre. Oh, dear. Peter talks about his touring. Peter talks about his perfume. Peter talks about his children. (laughs) And, in fact, Peter Andre exposes the children to television any which way that you can. Chris and Hamill Hempstead. He says, they used to have slipper baths in Streatham on holiday in Western Supermare, just like Hemel by the Sea. It is Western and Mare, but not yet found the super bit, unfortunately. Uh, uh, it's pronounced cattle, says Kevin. The H is silent. Cattle. Uh, Mark Benton was in the old Nationwide ads. Ah, that's why I've seen him before. Thank you, Darren. So that's where you know him from. This is the one who's going into uh, Districtly. A lot of people talk about John Mulder Brown. And uh, he was a, a child star a child star, then it on because he featured in that uh, in that film, The Deep End, which I'm going to be buying a little bit later on today. Uh, football players, oh dear, there's always a, always a football player story somewhere, isn't there? And here's a picture of Lily Collins. I don't know who she is. I don't know who Lily Collins is. Perhaps she's a she's an actress or something like that. Oh, it's Phil Collins. It's Phil Collins' daughter, is it really? Good lord. Well, there you go. You never know these things, do you? Uh, and uh, 50% of school teens bullied over their looks. That I can believe. Everybody was bullied. Everybody at school was bullied. Very rare was a person not bullied. You know, as I've said before, either too tall, too short, too fat, sticky out ears, bad hair, bad skin, bad teeth, you name it. There's always something that kids pick on at school. And the whole idea was you managed to, you know, the, I think after a while, the people who are bullied become the bullies to try and get away from it. Strictly's Len Goodman talking about love and marriage. We love Len. Severed! Like him a lot, actually. A nice person. Uh, he's, uh, he says, I'm a selfish man and my wife Sue has changed me. She's 21 years younger but more mature. We love him. We love him. You know, so, he's what I call salt of the earth. Whatever you see with him is what you get on the television. But I do love the story of a retired JCB worker who was carried to his funeral in the bucket of the digger he drove for 40 years. Uh, Billy Jones, 83. He'd been driving this thing for 43 years. Good God. Apparently made a last request for the vehicle to take him on his final journey to the crematorium in Bridgend. Mourners clapped and cheered when the yellow vehicle arrived, lovingly cleaned and polished. His daughter, Trudy Ann... Uh, who comes from Port Talbot in Neath, says he loved his work. Everybody waved at him in the cab of the JCB. They always knew him as Billy the JCB driver. There you go. How lovely was that? They do that occasionally, don't they? I saw somebody... When did I see somebody? It must have been in the uh, in the newspapers a while ago. And it was, um, it was somebody who was being taken to their funeral in a motorcycle sidecar. A motorcycle and sidecar, if you please. 
which I thought was a fairly, fairly good thing. You know, quite like that. That was, uh, that was all, all good fun. 84850, uk. Thank you, Philip. I shall definitely be uh, attempting to chase up REF records. I shall definitely be doing that. But uh, there's another story of a crocodile. We've had a couple of crocodile stories in the papers over the last few weeks. And this one is exactly what I've said. Again, it's in Australia, where they have quite a lot of problems. These things are killing machines. They rip, they tear, they drown. And this man, planning to explore water in his canoe, but said the ferocious crocodile trapped him on a remote island. He said every time he tried to escape by paddling the two and a half miles back to the Australian mainland, the crocodile appeared and looked like it was preparing to attack. So he set up camp on high ground and flashed a light to signal for help. Anyway, um, he went to sleep about three, when he was rescued by this boat. They, they gave him a beer and that sent him to sleep, which was quite good. Uh, it's very dangerous. They say that his uh, boat was 20 feet long, but this creature, they reckon, was about the same length. You don't argue with a crocodile on water. They're, uh, they're almost unbeatable, unbeatable. But they have been known to sit and wait you know, for somebody to give up and come off the island. So if you're sitting there on the island, they, they, they can come off. It's not so good. Quarter past five. 5.20, Nick Ferrari and the team. At seven this morning, it's the return of Ask Boris. It's going to be very interesting. Cameron says there's no need to do another, another vote on Syria. Boris says there is. So I'm sure you've got some thoughts on that. He'll be here taking your calls at nine o'clock this morning on the usual number. Uh, Plus, he'll be explaining why he thinks MPs did the right thing in voting against intervention in Syria. Plus, why are schools failing children when it comes to sex education? And what London building is responsible for melting two vehicles parked outside? Have you heard this story? This is the most bizarre story I've ever heard of a building that's melting cars. What are these sort of dripping paint? They're metal. Can't believe it. Uh, Looking at the paper today, the City Hall editor from the Evening Standard, Pippa Crera. Uh... We didn't have sex education at school. I think we must have been one of the only schools that didn't have it. Most people were too embarrassed. You know, we were sort of 14, 15. We had had plant reproduction, which was about the most exciting thing it ever got round to. I don't think we did anything else at all like that. Uh, Oh, guess who we're sending? Our our dancing Tom Swarbrick will be going down to the melting building. I've never heard of such a thing, a building that melts cars. Sounds a bit futuristic, doesn't it? And also, um, three quarters of London's main roads have illegal levels of pollution. We'll send uh, Joe Pike uh, down to Putney High Street, I think, this morning. uh, And ask Boris, don't forget, at nine o'clock this morning. So yesterday, I thought the schools were all going back. Well, they weren't. There was only a few schools that were going back. And uh, as a mum of three prepares for a start of term, in my state of complete exhaustion, she writes... Uh, I dreamed of the day my triplets would be at school. Now that the time is here, I can't stop crying because they've all got their little uniforms on and they're all going up to school and she can't, she can't believe it. Whereas, in fact, kids quite like it at school. I mean, it's all right when you get to sort of little school because you just play, don't you? They don't have to do sort of too much thing. They get to wear their posh little uniforms and their little shoes. And so she's got Lily, Elise and uh, Clara. And so she was hoping... It'll be good. She says, seeing my girls trying on their blazers made my chin wobble and tears fall. Oh, grow up, for goodness sake. They're going off to school. Not exactly a major event, is it? School, the happiest time of your life. No, it isn't. Not for everybody. For some people, it must be miserable. Some people who hate it. Some people who can't concentrate. Uh, one says, I want to be taken to my funeral in the, in the dust cart. I don't think they call them dust carts, do they, anymore? I don't think so. That's, uh, that's Daniel. 
Eight four eight five zero. This is the one who says losing your plot. Nothing wrong with breastfeeding, and this is apparently a dustman. I don't think you are. I think you're one of those made up people, Mark. Uh, made up people. Uh, so it's Catal baths. Uh, what they didn't report when Michael Jackson's body was being cuddled is they were checking his pockets. It's a funny thing to do, isn't it? But they went back ten times, the children. You know, such was the... And that must traumatise kids, mustn't it? Mustn't you not think that, you know, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen? You're seeing, you know, some, especially when you're a child. It's bad enough when you're an adult doing things like that. Uh, front page of the Metro. They've got uh, Gareth Bale celebrating... What was it? Something like eighty-five, three hundred thousand pound a week. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And uh, one here, a man, a runner, uh, who is running in Chile, but he's running past an active volcano, the inaugural volcano marathon. And so all these people. I mean, I think in the Tropic of Capricorn at Chile, next to Lasca, one of the most active volcanoes in the world, and continues throughout the Atacama Desert, the driest in the world. If the views don't leave them breathless, runners will face altitudes of 14,100 feet. It's called endurance running, and uh, people absolutely love it. But there is a constant gas cloud around Lascar, and they run past ten other volcanoes, which make it a bit more exciting. It is unbelievable. I'm fascinated by volcanoes. I've got... I've got lots of DVDs on volcanoes, and I, I absolutely am fascinated by this, this bubbling earth, which all of a sudden... There's one in the middle of the Sudan, I think, and it's in the middle of the de- in the middle of nowhere, and you look into this huge crater, and there it is, bubbling away. You know, the, uh, the magma and everything else. Uh, Vinnie Jones, all the papers today, I don't know why, it's a bit of a waste of space, but he says that England, England, ladies and gentlemen, is past its sell-by date and has let in too many immigrants. The 48-year-old ex-footballer, 48-year-old ex-everything, by the sound of it, lives in Los Angeles, says the country is not the one I grew up in. Uh, He told Radio Times, there's nothing to come back to. It's a European country now. I think we should get our own house in order before we open our doors. It's mind-boggling. God, nobody's ever been interested in Vinnie Jones's thoughts on anything, I'm afraid. You're not going to go to him asking about the situation in Syria. But now he's uh, talking about we're past our sell-by date. Uh, unfortunately for him, I don't share that thought. I don't think we're past our sell-by date at all. I'm immensely proud of this country. Immensely. Uh, Helen Flanagan... Always has to remind people she's an actress first and a celebrity second. Well, you're absolutely not an actress, dear. We saw you in Coronation Street. You can't act for Toffee. You were absolutely so dreadful. And you're not a celebrity either. So, really, so delusional on both counts, I'm afraid. And uh, Miley Cyrus. All of a sudden, she's my new best friend. You know why? She won't be turning on the Blackpool lights. She described the town as the worst I ever visited. It's a dump. It really is absolutely a dump, Blackpool. But some people like it. Um... Chantelle Houghton is a worrier. She says, I wonder at times where the next job is. But I'm a celebrity, so hopefully things will turn up. Delusional as well as stupid. I'm sorry, a celebrity and job. I don't think you've ever done a job in your life, have you? And apparently Peter Andre hopes his 60-minute makeover show will help him branch out into home interiors. Oh, please, God, no. Oh, please, God, no. Not not the, the Peter Andre duvet set. Can you imagine? I mean, I suppose they've got to look for as many things as they can possibly find, because, uh, I mean, he's, he's 40. You know, he's, well, 41. He's, he's, he's pushing on a bit now. He's getting a bit ancient for this kind of thing. Uh, have you seen a kid for two farthings? Yes, 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 with Dial Doors. Thank you, Derek. It's quite a nice little film, actually. It's a good little, good little British film. Good little British film. 
Uh, weather for today. I'll give you the weather in uh, in one minute. Apparently, if you Google Army Personnel Records, says Paul, you'll find details of how to attain a copy of your father's military history. Uh, it used to cost 30 quid, and you'll need a copy of your birth certificate. Uh, if your father's name is on it and proof of his death, as records are not released whilst they're still alive. Definitely not alive. Uh, we, 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 have, we have another address to write to, so we're all right with, uh, with that one. So we're all, all right there. Um, 84850, Steve at uh, lbc.co.uk. And uh, poor Ian in Luton wanted to go and see Susie Quattro, scheduled to play a, a club. Uh, six cabaret dates, not enough tickets sold, so the promoter put it to her to play two dates instead, uh, but she's declined. So a lot of disappointed people not going to see Susie Quattro, uh, including Lewis and Marilyn, my parents. He says they're also making it hard to get the money back. At least your Magic Circle team have emailed to say the tickets will be sent near the time. Yes, they will be. Details on the Magic Circle website for my Christmas show. Um, who's this here? This is Kelly Cruz. A, a woman's going to have uh, both her breasts removed. This is the the cancer thing again. She doesn't have cancer, but she's worried. But they're going to uh, do reconstructive surgery using pig skin. Never heard of such a thing. But uh, I've noticed Michelle Heaton, um, who turned up on that, that ghastly reunion programme where they put together a lot of old has-been bands, who turned out to be even worse second and third time round than they were first time round. And... It's uh, it's a case of they she had them removed and now she's had reconstructive surgery to put uh, fake breasts in again, and uh, she was on the television the other day talking about it and I I, I still didn't get mad around it at all I'm afraid, but uh, there's a guy called Yang Yan, pictured in the paper today. He has a collection of six thousand what? Six thousand he has in his collection of Barbie and Kens. He collects Barbie and Ken, and he lives in Singapore. He's got a tiny little house, but they and 3,000 other dolls. So he's got 9,000 in total. He said, I'm very into amassing. Now, actually, (coughs) excuse me, I know somebody. He's a very famous um, dress designer. He designs for a lot of famous people. He collects Barbie dolls as well. They're very collectible. In America, there's big Barbie doll collecting agencies kind of thing, and they, they sort of... They sort of talk about collecting Barbie dolls. I can't really tell you anything more about it, except that I did buy a couple on eBay once, Christmas Barbie and nightclub Barbie or something like that, because they keep bringing them out in different parts of the world. You can get certain Barbie dolls and people collect them, like people collect McDonald's Happy Meal toys. People collect anything. I'm trying to collect £50 notes. It's not easy. It takes ages to sort of get one, and they are freely available, well, in most places. You've just got to, just got to have the, uh, the ready funds there to actually uh, get the things in the first place. Uh, I'll give you the weather in a, a moment. What we'll do, we'll take um, a quick check on the news. For those of you waking up now, I can tell you it's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, and the time is 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 28, I didn't think I did. Oh, there you go. 28 minutes to uh, to 6. Is that why it went quiet? Oh, right. Sometimes you forget, sometimes you don't. Today I did. I wonder why it went quiet before the news. (laughs) Anyway, uh, weather for today. Well, it's going to be a hot one. Actually, no, not too bad. Uh, at the moment, 18 degrees. Well, it was at five o'clock, so it's probably... It's still dark outside. I can't get used to the fact it's dark outside and very, uh, 
Very autumnal. We're just waiting for the leaves to drop off the trees. I think they're all glued at the moment. Uh, dry with sunny spells today. Becoming very warm. It'll climb to about 24 degrees. And tonight, dry with some patchy cloud. Minimum 17 degrees. Wednesday, patchy mist or fog. Soon clearing to leave a dry, bright day with some good sunny spells and light winds. Becoming very warm or hot by the afternoon. Thursday is dry, sunny and feeling very warm. And then Friday, Saturday is when it changes... And you get cloudy, cooler weather with occasional rain, possibly heavy and thundery. Heavy and thundery. We go through the front pages of the papers just after the news at six. Uh, there's a picture in a lot of the papers today of a big burger. And uh, it's Britain's biggest burger. It weighs 25 pounds. It's a monster meal. It's at JD's Grill in Plymouth. And it's got 25,000 calories. I mean, yeah, I never understand. I mean, do these people do it? just to sort of create something and so they can get a bit of publicity for the restaurant or, or is it actually on sale? I've seen this bloke who goes around America and they have huge, huge items in the restaurant and the idea is if you can eat all of it, uh, you get it for free. But then, you know, why would you want to completely inflate yourself? I mean, this, this burger here, £25, it's 11 kilos of burger and it's got cheese on it and it's got... I mean, just making the bun alone is a bit ridiculous. So presumably a load of people could share it, but... I wouldn't want to share my food with somebody else. The idea that you all tuck in, no thank you very much indeed. It's like going into a pub and they've got peanuts on the bar. You think, no, people have put their fingers in there, then they put them in their mouths. Look around at the people who are sitting around a bar. And you, oh, I don't think so. I don't think we'll actually be touching any of that, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> but that's what people do, isn't it? They, they sort of end up touching... Oh, no, I'm very funny about that. Uh, 84850, Dot UK. Kevin says, I should be delivering down in Whitechapel later. Shall I ask the working girls if they've got a spare street corner for Chantel to work? So cruel. So cruel. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, it's... Uh, I, I don't really know what to do about Chantel. She's so delusional and so stupid. And she thinks, you know, and people go, I'm a celebrity. And you think, oh, God, that's the day you start thinking, I'm a celebrity, is the day you might as well give up and throw yourself off a bridge. Uh, Helga thinks we are well past our sell-by date. Oh, I don't. I absolutely don't. I think we're nowhere near our sell-by date. I think we're a fabulous country. I love living here. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Thank you very much indeed. I know you get Brits who go and live in Spain and in France and something like that. You know, and Vinnie Jones says, oh, it's past our sell-by I wouldn't ask Vinnie Jones the time of day. I wouldn't be remotely interested in any sad little racist thoughts which he has in his head. I'm really not remotely interested. I think the man's a buffoon. A buffoon and an idiot. But, you know, that's the kind of thing he's, he's known for. I'm surprised, actually, the papers even bothered printing it. I mean, the man's so stupid. So stupid. In all the papers today, um, think Abby's fit. Oh, no. This is Abby Clancy. Catwalk babe. When does she do catwalk? She's too small to do catwalk. She's tiny. They don't ask her to do catwalk. She just catalogues stuff, doesn't she? She's certainly never done catwalk, as far as I know. But uh, she's 27. And uh, she hopes that being in Strictly Come Dancing will help boost her endurance. I'm strong, but I've got no stamina. I get out of breath so easy, she said. Well, she smokes. We've seen pictures of her with a fag in her mouth. That's why you're out of breath, dear. Got nothing to do with your endurance. Give up smoking and you might be a better person. She said, I don't train or go to the gym. Um, I like a dance partner who can disguise the fact how bad I'll be. Well, I don't think we ever had any doubts in our mind that you'd be absolute rubbish. Co-contestant Sophie Ellis-Bexter revealed she won't be committing murder on the dance floor. As long as the stage costumes keep her nerves distracted which is good. By contrast, veteran broadcaster, aged old Harridan, 
Vanessa Phelps admitted she'll be putting her two left feet forward. She said, I can't do any formal dance whatsoever. I can't jive. I can't salsa. I can't cha-cha-cha. I can't waltz. I just can't dance. Of course you can't. You're too fat. You know, fat people are just jolly, so you're going to be the buffoon of the series, and then they'll end up kicking you out and they'll sort of get down to a proper programme. You've always got to have some idiot, haven't you, who will do something, either falling over or, you know, sort of doing an Anne Widdicom. Who started that one? I can't remember who was the first person who started on the Strictly Come Dancing, who was the... Was it John... Was John Sargent the first one who was an idiot? And then we had to find another one, and Anne Widdicom was so close behind... And so they then, because they were useless, they had to make a thing about it. And perhaps they look around for somebody stupid, although there's so many stupid people in the Strictly Come Dancing this year. It could be anybody. I think Susanna Reid will try desperately, and then her credibility will just disappear, I'm afraid. Disappear. Um, 84850, Steve at LBC. Oh, here's a picture of this skyscraper. It's in the Metro today. And it's called the Walkie Talkie Building. And they say it, it zaps cars, turn them into melted wrecks. The sun's glare, apparently reflected from the building's windows, melted the bodywork of an £80,000 car. Company director of a tiling firm, uh, a guy called Martin Lindsay, parked his Jaguar XJ underneath the building and saw it was surrounded by a crowd when he returned from a meeting two hours later. I looked at him and said, what are you doing? And I looked at the car and thought blow. Every little plastic panel was warped. This is 20 Fenchurch Street. It's uh, a £200 million building. Uh, They have agreed to pay the repair bill and suspended parking at three spaces below the skyscraper. Mr Lindsay comes from Stapleford Abbott in Essex, says they've got to do something. I'm gutted. How can they let this continue? That's how they speak in that place in Essex. I love the way... Well, they probably didn't know that it was going to melt car. Fancy it has. Fancy me a car with plastic bits on. How cheap. What a shame. And so he parked it under it, underneath the building, and presumably the heat from the glass. I can only think of that. It acts like a giant uh, reflecting mirror, doesn't it? It's like a, uh, a magnifying glass. I can't think, of, can't think of any other way that it works. And it melted the plastic bits. So they have agreed... I mean, they've obviously agreed that there is a slight problem. I mean, you know... Anne says these cars, they wouldn't survive in a hot country. These expensive cars, uh, more look, more look than stammer. Sounds practically human. Yes, I mean, I don't know if if it only melts the plastic bits. Surely these cars couldn't be sold abroad. Only guessing, of course. I don't think I've got any plastic bits on my car. Except the bumpers and the mirrors and all the other other things that are on there. (laughs) Where you start thinking to yourself, oh, there's a little bit more plastic on the car than I ever realised. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk Here's Gareth Bale, very smart, and so he should be for that much money. And here's his his childhood sweetheart, who's the shy new wag queen. Oh, God, nothing worse. And they've got one of these babies with no hairs. They put a ribbon in the top of it. It's like uh, the poor Beckham's child. looks like Bam Bam from the Flintstones. Very chav. But uh, anyway, their, their baby's called Alba. Alba Bale. <laughs> Quite sound right, doesn't it? Alba Bale. But his, uh, his wife's uh, Emerys Jones. And uh, she could be a, a new wag, which will be lovely. And uh, I'm sure people will be absolutely thrilled. Uh, more on... Um, this is uh, Michael Lavelle, who's in all the papers today. Uh, the postal strike inevitable as the mail is selling off and the battle is now building. We had in Twickenham on Saturday. I didn't know what it was. There were loads of people shouting and handing out balloons. And it turns out they were protesting over plans to privatise the Royal Mail. We had buses going up and down. 
And uh, I don't know whether they did it in Richmond or whether they just did it in Twickenham, but they were going up all day. The Communications Workers' Union is opposed to a £3 billion government sell-off that could see the stock market flotation before spring. But because it's illegal to strike over a political issue such as privatisation, the CWU instead wants to ballot members over pay and other conditions. So I think postmen are quite good. I think they get a good deal. I don't know what an average postman earns. I was trying to find out the other day what an average tube driver earns. And I can't remember. Somebody told me it was between forty and £50,000 a year, a tube driver. Uh, and I think probably rough, uh, producers immediately see if he can sign up, you know, go and be a tube driver. But that's that sort of money. I think that's quite good money, don't you? All you've got to do, you've got to go, I mean, you, know, you don't need, have to steer it or anything like that. You've just got to make sure you stay on the rails. If you fall off, you've got a slight problem. But, you know, the rest of it should be OK. Uh, 84850, steve at uk uh, from, uh, from Canada. Jeffrey is listening in. He said, uh, he said, I quite enjoy hearing about things going on in your part of the world. Do you not get these things in Canada? Do you not get that? You get harsh winters, don't you? And uh, on the subject of the £50 notes, Richard said, if you start flashing a bunch of 50 quid notes, you may be mistaken for a used car salesman. There is somebody in the papers today who's flashing a load of money. Unfortunately, he's a drug dealer. And it was flashing the money and putting it up on the internet that got him caught. Because they're all too stupid, aren't they, for words. Perhaps they, perhaps they think. Perhaps they think that that's not, you know... Nobody's ever going to see it. But, of course, the wrong people do see it, I'm afraid. Uh, Christina says, read the Jackson children. Though Mrs Jackson said mortuary in the interview, Michael was actually in a, a room near the ER where he'd been moved for the family and friends to say their goodbyes. A hospital social worker advised the family to allow the children to see the father if they wanted and not keep them away. Uh, well, th- it doesn't matter because they went there ten times, but they call it a mortuary. That's where the body goes. It's like a viewing room, isn't it? I mean, when my father died, he was in the mortuary and there were other people in there, but they were covered over. And all they have to do, they have to just go and check that they look all right, that they, you know, nothing, no accidents have happened or anything. So, uh, so that's why. And uh, they went there. But they're, they're doing this on the, on the basis of what uh, Latoya Jackson said, which is interesting. David Jacobs, nice picture of him. Uh, I still can't believe that he actually worked with the Beatles. The Beatles appeared on Jukebox Jury, I think, way back in 1963, without realising just how big they were going to be. But four weeks after his last radio show, David Jacobs died aged 87. Couldn't, couldn't say anything nicer about him, apart from the fact he was a, a consummate professional and a gentleman, always very smartly dressed. I don't think I ever saw him without a blazer on, a shirt and a tie. He was just smart. He would consider me a complete slob if he could see what I was wearing this morning. Pair of jeans, pair of vans, nice check shirt, and, uh, and that's it. Oh, it's Pebbles, not Bam Bam. Yes. This is what the, the Beckhams have done with their daughter. They've sort of taken her hair into some sort of top knot. It's very chavvy, I'm afraid. Very chavvy. Uh, a lot of people uh, talking about the melting car. I'd never heard of this building before. I'm delighted to say we're going to send somebody down there. Uh, to actually find out exactly what is going on with, with the building. Because it sounds absolutely disastrous. A building that is melting cars. Luckily, we're sending our uh, non-dancing reporter, Tom Swarbrick, down there. Perhaps you could put him on Strictly Come Dancing, actually. That'd be quite a, quite a good thing. And um, the other story that made all the papers yesterday, and I didn't read it yesterday, I, I, I quickly skirted over it and then decided I'd, I'd come back to it later on today if it appeared in the papers again, and it has... It's uh, a British Airways pilot um, who, they say, was abusing children in an orphanage in Nairobi. 
and uh, his name is Simon Wood. They say he was protected by a network of associates, including a male airline colleague, another British man and a female manager at one of the Nairobi orphanages. The trio are not believed to have been directly involved in sexual abuse against children, but lawyers are probing claims they helped the man who killed himself last month to access his victims and to cover up his crimes. And I think there's something like 50 alleged victims of this first officer would are now considering legal action against BA, who they say uh, should have uh, protected them. They say they were molested by this pilot during his stopovers and charity work in Kenya. They now say it could be hundreds of orphaned and slum children in Kenya. He also targeted youngsters in Uganda and Tanzania. So it's it's very interesting that uh, Martin Day, a partner at the UK law firm Lee Day, said it was in contact with 40 to 50 families who believe that their young daughters were molested by Wood. Twelve have so far given interviews and uh, some have named a second British Airways employee and another British man. Uh, Simon Wood threw himself under a train. He'd appeared in court the once, denied the charges, and then threw himself under a train afterwards. So what they're saying is, did he have an, uh, an accomplice? It's, it could be a huge one here. They say he abused his uh, position to molest hundreds of girls at African orphanages. But uh, when, you, when you tell people you've got nothing, that you can get money out of something, quite clearly a lot of people are going to come forward. So I don't know where this is going to go from here. I've got no idea. The only person who's left, of course, is uh, Mr Wood's mother, who lives in Cumbria, and, of course, the uh, Diabetes UK are involved in this one as well, which is quite interesting. I don't know how that uh, how that comes around. They were continuing to support police inquiries. So whether or not the, these people are uh, all diabetics, I don't know. I'll find more about that in a moment. Quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Ten to six, Tuesday morning. I think more, more kids are going back to school today. I can't work out. The, yesterday the trains were... OK, there were a few people, but it certainly wasn't uh, as bad as I thought it was going to be. Nick Ferrari and the team after seven this morning. It's Ask Boris. It's going to be a lot to ask uh, Boris this morning. And you can get involved as well. He'll be taking your calls, explaining why he thinks MEPs or MPs did the right thing in voting against intervention in Syria. Plus, why are our schools failing children? And what London building is responsible for melting two vehicles parked underneath it? I can't quite work it out, but apparently all their plastic bits were melted. So we're sending down the tap-dancing Tom Swarbrick to the walkie-talkie building. I say tap-dancing, he doesn't dance at all. It was, a, it was a clip that we ran on LBC when we were talking about the Notting Hill Carnival and he was sort of trying to get people to dance, but you just know he's going to dance like your embarrassing grandfather. You've just got this feeling. Uh, we're going to send Joe Pike down to Putney High Street. Three quarters of London's main roads have illegal levels of pollution. And why do white boys do worst at school? I don't know. First of all, we told it was black boys. Now we're told it's white boys. Next thing, it'll be girls. I talked to uh, Joe McVitie, who's the head teacher at Woodside High School in Haringey. Looking at the papers today, Pippa Crera, who's City Hall editor for the Evening Standard. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari and the team just after the news at seven. Nice obituaries to David Jacobs. He needs recognition. Uh, a prolific. And hugely popular broadcaster for half a century, famed for jukebox juries, come dancing, never at a loss for words, which of course is quite useful if you're in uh, if you're in the broadcasting business. Only if you sit there and go, um, what do I talk about now? Which I have never been known to do, as far as I know. The uh, BBC Director General Tony Hall said he's one of the great broadcast personalities, and we shall all miss him tremendously. He only stopped work four weeks ago because of ill health, but uh, what a full life! What he. Uh, 
what he crammed in. Uh, how long before Pebbles Beckham gets pierced ears, says D, probably with real diamonds, and will the boys be getting tats for their 16th birthday? I pray that Vic's uh, yearning to be really posh will stop, but probably not. No, the trouble is, she, she so wants to be posh, but she isn't posh. That's the trouble. The whole thing was, was a bit of a joke, so they had to give all the Spice Girls names. So you had Scary Spice, because she was foul-mouthed. Then you had Sporty Spice, because she lived in tracksuits, and that started all the rumours that she was gay. And, of course, she spent the whole career trying to play that one down. Then you had Baby Spice, because she dressed up as a, a little schoolgirl with her hair in bunches. And then you had Posh Victoria, because, you know, people thought she looked a bit snooty, but she wasn't. It's just that her father used to take her to school in a, in a, in a white Rolls Royce, but it was an old one. It wasn't anything brand new or anything like that. So uh, now, it's, uh, now it's, it's good. But, uh, but, you know, it's all the tattoos. David's got a new one on his chest. We were told the other day that Cheryl... It's very chavvy. Whichever way you look at it, posh people don't have tattoos. You won't find any of the royal family with tattoos. Having said that, somebody will write in and go, I think if I'm Prince Philip's got a few from the Navy days. I don't think he has. I don't think they've got anything like that at all. And after a while, as you've seen them on older people, they fade. They look terrible. All these people who've got writing up the side of their faces and behind their ears. You imagine what that's going to look like by the time they get to their 40s and 50s. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, apparently, the walkie-talkie building glass reflection could have projected over time as a laser for it to melt the metal. No, it didn't. Uh, no, the, the only two hours... Only two hours this car was parked there. It didn't melt the uh, the metal, it melted the plastic. It warped the plastic. But then, I've heard that if you put, um, and I know this from bitter experience, if you have a vinyl record and you put it on the back shelf of your car, if you've got a back shelf on the car, and you go out driving and you park the car, when you come back, that will be warped because the sun will shine through the, uh, the glass and it will reflect onto the thing. Because I made a mistake years and years ago, and I know this because I did it myself, of putting some records on the back shelf. I was moving from one place to another. Put the records on the back shelf, left them there for a day. When I came to take them out, they were all warped. There was no way you ever could have played them. You just throw the blooming things out. So that's why it would go there. But it would never melt metal. It's never going to get to that stage where it's going to melt metal. But it would certainly melt plastic. And so many cars nowadays, even probably on the Jaguar, have got lots of extra bits put on, which are plastic. I'm trying to go around my car thinking I've got hard plastic on the on the wing mirrors. And that's about it. I don't know whether or not... I think the bumpers might be plastic, front and back. I can't, I can't remember. But that's, I think that's the only bit of plastic. But on some cars, of course, I should imagine around the headlights, you could, you could melt things. So that's why. Ralph says, uh, I'm glad you like living in Britain. As an ex-BBC director says last night of the proms and Rule Britannia, dangerously English. Well, it is, of course it's English. It's British, isn't it? That's what it is. That's what last night at the proms is about. It's about celebrating the best of British. And that's why rule Britannia. Britannia rules the waves. Oh, I'm fiercely patriotic. I don't find anybody more, more patriotic uh, than me. I love, I love things like that. Oh, yes, any, any, any type of flag waving, any type of, uh, of bigging up the country. Good God, yes. I mean, I've, I have no problem with that at all. Fiercely proud. Uh, I don't mind strictly says Mark. But what I object to is the merciless milking of the format by the BBC, a bit like Doctor Who. We will now get Strictly behind the scenes, Strictly show, how we make the costumes show, how we train for the show, show. And so it goes on, not to mention across all the BBC outlets, they will hype the show. How much would that level of advertising cost? BBC latch onto anything with a little success and milk it mercilessly. Well, that's why we had to put up with The Voice, a disastrous programme, disastrous judges. and a pro- Can anybody tell me who won The Voice? No. Nobody's got the faintest idea, because it sunk without trace. It was disastrous. They, they dig up 
you know, Tom Jones. They dig up that dreadful Will I Am. I spent most of the programme texting and didn't seem to be remotely interested. I think Jessie J was on there. She was okay, but I saw her. She might have. <clears throat> was she at V Festival this year? Like, whatever it was, it was a ghastly set. You know, it's no good walking backwards and forwards across the stage going, hello, Chelmsford, whoa, whoa, and doing this kind of stuff, because it sounds ridiculous. But they all do it, I'm afraid. They all do it, and it, it probably serves them quite well. But the voice was awful. <coughs> so I do like living in Britain, going back to the original question. I absolutely love it. Tony Blair doesn't like living in Britain. He's too busy milking it around the world. Here he is in Thailand, addressing an audience there for, they say, a reputed £400,000 for a speech. These champagne socialists, honestly, it's marvellous, isn't it? There's Tony, apparently has something to do with our overseas envoy. I've not seen any evidence of it. Sunning himself on a super yacht and picking up £400,000. My God, the champagne lifestyle really suits him and Cherie, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, but I do like the story of Laura Dixon. Laura Dixon uh, is a lifetime vegetarian, lifelong vegetarian. And she was told she'd never have children. She's given birth to triplets after she started eating meat. Uh, Laura Dixon turned to IVF after trying for 10 years to get pregnant naturally, but during her second cycle of treatment, she suffered a miscarriage. When she became pregnant during her final round of IVF, she was warned she had a high risk of another miscarriage or a dangerously early labour. So she started eating three portions of meat a day. Now she's addicted to it. She started eating McDonald's. She started eating burgers, sausages, everything. Uh, she comes from Chelmsford. Oh, from Chelmsford. All the best people come from Chelmsford. And um, she says, when, when a sonograph found a third heartbeat, I remember shouting, oh no, and crying. She lost one baby to a miscarriage. Thought, I'll never better carry three, but three she's carried. And here they are, Max, Mason and Mia. All the murs, all the murs. And then the hunger kicked in. She says, I was eating six meals a day. And she's got three gorgeous children. So that's nice, isn't it? Very, very happy. Uh, she's now stopped eating meat, apparently. She's gone back to vegetarianism. <laughs> oh, sometimes I wish I could be vegetarian. I sometimes think, oh, perhaps I should be vegetarian, but then I've, I've, I've worked with people in the office who eat sort of, you know, pooey lentils and stuff like that, and what else were they eating? Oh, it's all this pretentious stuff, so some sort of rancid tea they all do. There's a couple of odd people in the office. James O'Brien has got this thing which he puts in a cup of hot water and it seems to expand like a flower. It's like a dried thing. And you put it in water and it comes to life. I expect it to crawl over the side of the glass any day. I don't think it makes any difference. He seems to think it does. But it's a pooey lentil. Have you ever heard of such a thing? It's like sandal caftan wearing people, isn't it? Chanting. All very worrying, I'm afraid, in the office. You know, give me a good... And also, we came in today and there was this big box of Jordans, I think. Well, somebody'd eaten all of it. Eaten all... All gone. Nothing left for us poor people overnight. Not that we're starving in any way, shape or form. Uh, 84850. Uh, apparently, Andrea Begley won The Voice. She's almost blind. Oh, this is this woman who's huge in Ireland already. And then came out... And they all... Like the girl on The X Factor. Uh, where do you work? I work in a prison. OK. Have you ever done auditions before? No. Liar. Done loads of auditions, singing professional dear for quite some time. Why can't people tell the truth? LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I think it was Andy McCall. I think it was Andy McCall. I'm Andy McCall. I'm Andy. Perhaps he was checking. Never heard somebody name-check themselves so many times on the programme. We'll come back to the travel a little bit later on for you. Well, in fact, in about ten minutes' time, we'll come back to Andy McCall. 
Well, I suspect it could be somebody different by the time we get round to it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Did you see through the keyhole? Ghastly. Ghastly. I lasted about five minutes. It was absolute rubbish, I'm afraid. Absolute rubbish. Uh, and uh, shan't ever be watching it ever again, I'm afraid. Definitely not. Anyway, in the papers this morning, and if you have just joined us, it's nice to have your company on LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Steve Allen. I'm Steve Allen. I thought I'd tell you that now. And uh, uh, some of the stories which you're waking up to, some repeatable, some not repeatable, some yesterday's stories and some terribly, terribly old. £86 million Gareth and his childhood sweetheart, the shy new wag queen. Give it about ten minutes. By the time we've got a PR agency going, uh, they'll be all over the papers. And uh, thousands of pupils being squeezed into extra classes at primary schools, struggling under a huge influx of children. Amid a raft of emergency measures, a third of councils are being forced to lay on the bulge reception classes for the term starting this week. The crisis has been caused by a baby boom, rising immigration and families being priced out of the private sector. Many pupils will now be taught in temporary classrooms, with some schools renting extra space in empty offices and children's centres. It's a full investigation in the Daily Mail this morning. So uh, that's interesting. But Darren Bale... Uh, Gareth Baylor gets the uh, gets the picture. They look lovely, actually. They do look absolutely charming. I wonder how long before he goes off the rails. They all seem to, after a while. £300,000 a week. Must make him, I suppose. The world's most expensive footballer. His daughter is called Alba Violet. Alba. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, that's why his, his girlfriend's Emma Rhys Jones, because he's Welsh as well. I had no idea. Starting at Real Madrid. I'll be a bit of a culture shock over there for them. It's it's quite It's quite nice Madrid, actually. As, as sort of places go, but I don't know what their football... I'm assuming their footballers must be treated like celebrities over there. Um, front page of the Mirror this morning, it's uh, the Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle, who's in court at the moment, uh, plus the biggest transfer window ever. They're talking football, £527 million. And Real Madrid president Florentino Perez has warned Gareth Bale he must now prove he's worth his world record transfer fee. Is he worth it? I don't know anything about him. Is he worth... I mean, where's he come from to be worth that much money? Is he just tootled around and he's just been... Is, is he quite a pleasant person? He's not... It doesn't seem to be any edge to him. There doesn't seem to be anything that you go, oh, that's Gareth Bale, he's lost his temper or shouted or screamed. He seems perfectly pleasant. Which means he's doomed to failure, isn't it, really? Because nobody wants bland, I'm afraid, nowadays. People want somebody with a bit of an edge to them. But I, I, I've heard of him. But I didn't know what he ever did. But he, obviously he'd been up for transfer. That amount of money is absolutely huge. There's money floating around in football clubs. You can only imagine, apparently. 84850, uh, uk. Uh, on the subject of uh, David Jacobs, Shirley remembers that he started out as an actor. He did. I remember him in a BBC radio series called Journey Into Space. I've just looked at IMDb. His first TV role was as Laurie in the first TV adaptation of Little Women. Yes, I mean, he was just charming. You don't... uh, To me, and I know it seems... I've I've said it before. uh, I remember talking to John Pertwee, one of the Doc Twos, ages ago. And I said, people on television and people on radio appear to me to be ageless. You know, we know people are you know, 60, 70, 80, whatever they happen to be. But they appear to be ageless to me. You know, David Jacobs had one of those great radio voices. He came from a, a different era in radio. There's no, certainly not many people of that age. You could probably count them on less than one hand who are working at that age, people who've got those great voices. I used to listen to a guy years and years ago on the radio before I, before I started in it. 
and you build up an image of what this person looked like. And when I saw a picture of him, I was horrified. He was bald. He didn't look at all as I imagined. I was... I, I don't know what I was thinking. Christo. No, no. Uh, no, it's another joke there, which I can't do. Anyway, so I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, you do imagine people, when, when somebody does something funny, you listen to me and you think, I bet I know what you look like. And when I saw the picture of this man, he didn't look at all. Now, because you see, because of the internet. I was explaining to somebody, it was very odd, when, because this is LBC's 40th birthday year, things have changed amazingly. When I started at LBC, there were no computers. They didn't exist. Um... Now we're wall-to-wall computers everywhere. There was no... uh, We we had a phone-in, but there was only the one... It was a little switchboard which had, I think, it could hold something like six lines on it or something like that. There were no mobile phones. Nobody could send you text messages or emails or anything like that at all. The only thing people could do was write in. So it encouraged people to write. And then gradually over the years, and if you look in, in terms of 40 years of broadcasting, my gosh, we've moved on. My gosh, it's all touch screen. You know, and and faders and coloured lights. You know, ours was very simple. Very, very simple stuff. You know, there were cart machines for putting the adverts in. You had to... Now it's all on the computer. It's all there. They call it up. And it's and it's it's really moved on. Because I was making somebody laugh this morning. He said, but didn't you get phone calls from people? I said, well, nobody had mobile phones. If somebody wanted to phone, they had to either go to a phone box and call in with enough money, or they had to call from home, and not everybody had telephones. So it was, it was, you know, we had a, a morning phone in on LBC with Brian Hayes. And then the next one was the one in the evening. There was nothing else. Guests were ferried in. It was constant guests coming backwards and forwards. But it seems funny to think that in, in the 40 years, everybody's got mobile phones. Everybody's got them. You know, digital phones at home are quite common. You know, everybody's got digital phones. Pensioners, people over a certain age can now use the computer and can find out everything. If you're, if you're an older person, they call you Silver Surface. Frankly, I think they're being rude and impertinent because it doesn't really make any difference. But it can change your life completely. You can find out everything you ever wanted to. You know, where was that house that I used to live in before? What does it look like? Let's let's go on to Google Maps and see if we can find it. You know, where's a decent restaurant in Chelmsford? Oh, look, just type in decent restaurant Chelmsford and you can find everything now. You can go around the world. You can order stuff. You couldn't order it before. You had to go out to shops and buy it. Now you go onto the Internet, you can order everything. I've got my three DVDs this morning. You order stuff from America, if you, if you really want to spend the money, you can have it FedExed over. I mean, we have moved on crackingly. And that's why when you look at radio stuff, we're just having a new studio built down the corridor for a radio station. And it's fact, I, I go and stand in there every morning because I'm, I'm not an anorak in any way, shape or form, but I like standing in there looking at it, thinking, I know what this is going to look like when it finishes. All of a sudden the walls will go up, the studio console comes in. The electricians come in and wire up all the computers and the lights change. And, and, you know, the next thing, you've got a studio that's on air. I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely fascinated. Uh, 84850. Vinnie Jones talking about not recognising the UK as home because of immigration. It's true. But he's living in America where they have huge immigration. Also, he has cleaners. Typically in America, it's the migrants of whatever generation that take on the jobs. Uh, one thinks Vinny didn't engage his brain before the comment. Yes, the old broadcaster's prayer. Dear Lord, help me to know what I'm talking about before I open my big mouth. And so what's he doing right now? Nothing. Well, he's doing an advert, isn't he, on the television for something. That's as far as I, uh, as far as I know. Uh, <clears throat> most people are unaware that the second 
phrase in Rule Britannia is Britannia rule the waves, not rules, which completely alters the meaning and people's objections are ignorant. I'm hugely patriotic. I don't care whether we've got one word in it or we haven't got any words in it. I just like the idea. Uh, 84850... I'm so glad you're Steve Allen, says little Julie, as you're the only Steve Allen I wake up to at four o'clock every morning to listen to. Thank you. Yes, it'd be awful, wouldn't it, if there was another Steve Allen? I don't think that would ever work. Uh, Other stories. Front page of The Independent. Vodafone's £84 billion tax avoidance bonanza. Nothing for the exchequer, but bankers sharing £156 million in fees. Um, it's amazing here. Public spending watchdogs have claimed that the UK-based phone company has a moral duty to hand over some of its gains to taxpayers, but there was no sign that the Chancellor, George Osborne, would change the uh, rules. Also, don't be afraid. This is uh, Seamus Heaney's last words, revealed at his funeral. It was quite a good turnout for him. Must have been delighted. Must have been delighted. And uh, Gavin Esler, writing in The Independent Today, How I Fell in Love with Prog Rock. Prog Rock? I didn't even know it existed anymore. Prog Rock could be, um... Who would be prog rock? What would be a prog rock group? Um, (coughs) Rick Wake would be prog rock, would he? Oh, right, okay, okay. I've got another one, actually. I've got... um, Propaganda. Would Propaganda be be prog rock? You don't know who they are, do they? They've got a fabulous song. They're a very old group now. They've been around for ages. They're good. Would, would, uh, Would Focus, Hocus Pocus, would they be... No? Have you heard of any of these groups I'm talking about? No... Such a many work with 12-year-olds, isn't it, really? Uh, Hawkwind. And who was the dancer with Hawkwind? Come on. Stacia. Stacia used to dance. I'm off on a silver machine. Uh, Daily Star this morning. Horrified celebrity big brother babe, Courtney Stodden. Not only desperately unattractive, fake hair, fake boobs, thick as a brick. Thinks she's being spied on in the big brother house. I think she's only just worked out that there are cameras behind there and people are watching her. She thinks that they're, they're pe- peeping toms are ogling her. Darling, something as plastic and as unattractive as you, nobody's ogling you. They're looking, pointing and laughing, I'm afraid, because you look so stupid. Uh, dad-to-be Simon Cowell has said he went all gooey, oh dear, after seeing the scan of his baby with Lauren Silverman. It's funny, he's, he's gone from not talking about it to now you can't shut him up, can you, really? And uh, Coronation Street actor Michael Lavelle is on the front of most of the papers this morning. We'll come back to a few more headlines in a moment. It's quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. A lot of people are saying Vinnie Jones can stay in America. Nobody wants him over here. No, well, well, to be honest with you, that's why he's, li- he's living over there. Nobody did want him over here. He couldn't get arrested. I'm sure he's having exactly the same trouble in the, in the States. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, Lynn says, My sister, a teacher working in London, has always had the problem that herself and the two children started and broke up from school at three different times. It varies across the country. Is Why can't they make it so it's universal? Why can't it be standard? Everybody goes back to school on this particular day. It makes much more sense to me than uh, yesterday. We had a few people going back, but I'm assuming that by Wednesday uh, there could be more. A lot of people saying, poor Andy. Apparently he couldn't hear himself. And um, so that's, that's why. <laughs> An interesting traffic report, Steve. What, what was his name again? Uh, Andy McCall. Andy McCall. It's got, you could probably make a jingle out of it. Rep, 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 Andy. Rep, 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 Andy McCall. Andy McCall. You could make something quite interesting. You could probably add a beat to it, I should imagine. Uh, Andrea Begley won The Voice. Thank you. 
And uh, Kevin says, and it certainly helped the Blair's finances, Steve, when Tony bought in the human rights law for Cherie to make money out of it. Me? Cynical? Never. Didn't they buy a famous actor's house? They've got quite a number of very expensive houses, but so I suppose he needs to, uh, to charge extra. Uh, London's air is polluted, apparently, says somebody here, cynically. <laughs> what next? Yes, I agree with you. Uh, front of the sun this morning... Uh, the uh, the case of the Coronation Street star Michael Lavelle, uh, James Bulger's killer, John Venables, has been secretly freed from jail. This is his fourth identity that they've given him, his fourth identity. And uh, the full story is on page nine. Uh, Bob Geldof has admitted that uh, if people still shove £5 notes in his pocket, as they did in the 80s, he would keep them. Bob Geldof, famous for telling the world to give a ship money in 1985, used to donate the cash given to him to African famine relief. But he said people were stuffing fives in my pocket. Now, of course, I'd keep them. He says loneliness and poverty. He says I'm not going back. Uh, never. Being poor is rubbish. It terrifies me still. So he'd keep, So don't ever give him any money for charity because he keeps it. I often wondered, actually, how does Bob Geldof make his money now? What is his... What is his... It can't be with that rubbish group he was with. The silicon chip inside my head. Oh, they were rubbish, the Boomtown Rats. They actually brought out a greatest hits album. Three quarters of them weren't even hits. It was called Filling Up a Piece of Vinyl or whatever. And uh, One Direction's debut movie has topped the box office. It's amazing, isn't it? How, how much longer do we give them before it all goes... And just, uh, just explodes. Uh, apparently, Duncan Barks did French at school, German and Spanish out of school. We did French and German in school and Latin. And I never thought, unless you were going to be a botanist or a chemist, it was any use to you whatsoever. But, when you, frankly, when you're learning Latin at an early age, you never think about being a botanist or a chemist. And uh, it's very... F- it, it's a, the, the only way to learn a language, somebody told me, is to because my uh, brother's girls, one speaks Japanese and one speaks Spanish. Fluent. Fluent Spanish. So she's going to study over there. And I think for the best part of ten months, she's going to be in... I think she's in Madrid. It's either Madrid or Barcelona. And the other one wants to go to Tokyo and study over there. And they, they, some people have a natural aptitude for languages. Duncan was talking about it overnight, trying to find people who spoke uh, Mandarin or Cantonese, you know, people who weren't native to that particular uh, part of the world. And that's what I thought was fascinating, because I'm, I wish that you could go to sleep, plug in a tape. We've all done linguaphone courses where you, you buy all the cassettes and you sit there and you just never use it. The only way you're ever going to learn a language is to go and live in a country for a year with people who won't speak any English to you, and they will do it. It's like if, if, if you go to Vienna, where they, speak, uh, where they speak German, you go to McDonald's and you try and order in your best German food, and all the girls in there speak English. So, they, they, so you say, uh, ein, one, uh, yeah, zwei, uh, two, and you say, oh, shut up, let me do it in German, for goodness sake, it'll be here all day otherwise. <laughs> so that's why I find it very frustrating. But if people just let you order and let you stumble through it, and yet you go to somewhere like where do we go to? We went to Rome, and all the waiters in Rome they speak German, English, French, Italian. They seem to just pick it all up, and they can. And you think this is a gift, and all you're doing is working as a waiter. There's me decrying waitering again. I'm afraid. Uh, so that's why eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. The best bit about the Andy McCall bit was the next bit was an advert was for Confused. <laughs> that kind of sums it up, really, doesn't it? Uh, front of the Times this morning. Married to the mob. What life is really like for uh, Asna Assad, the woman who spends a load of money. 
the US leaves unreliable British in the cold. Military chiefs ejected from the Syrian meetings. And, uh, and um, David Jacobs, who died. Arsenal set to smash their transfer record to complete the £42.5 million signing of uh, Mesut Ozil from Real Madrid on a contract worth £200,000 a week. Huge money in this, isn't it? Absolutely huge money. And uh, doctors risk becoming as mistrusted as bankers unless they do more to prove that they are listening to their patients. Doctors must do more to respond better to patients' needs in order to avoid repeats of the mid-staff scandal. That's according to Professor Ben Bridgewater, who has led government efforts to publish data on doctors' performances. 27 minutes past six. Uh, Children should be taught about porn on the net, says the Daily Telegraph. Syria's causing calamity of the century. And uh, here she is, Rachel Riley, uh, who's preparing for Strictly Come Dancing. I don't know why they're bothering with this pile of old toffee. Of course they're preparing for it. It's a dancing programme. The longer they're in it, the more money they get. It's in their best interest to stay there. But to be honest with you, it's only people who've fallen on hard times who go on the programme or who believe in the word celebrity. Luckily, we don't. And a small landscape painting bought from a box of trinkets at auction for 30 quid has been identified as a constable. And it's worth an estimated, an estimated, ladies and gentlemen, £250,000. So that's exactly the kind of thing you want to find, isn't it? Why do you think people scour the car boot sales? As indeed they do. That's just about it for this morning uh, from me. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time, looking at some of our favourite celebrities. And some of them are our favourite celebrities. Uh, And you can download the remainder of the programme a little bit later. If you don't know about downloading and podcasting, do go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. And we shall do it again tomorrow morning. Don't forget, it's Ask Boris today. He's back. He'll be on fighting form. See if you can get one over on him. He'll be with you from nine o'clock this morning. Nick and the team with you from seven. They're going to be looking at the building that melts cars and pollution in London. Have yourself a great day. It's going to be another sunny one, so you might as well enjoy it. I, of course, will have a day full of misery next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.